Hello, and welcome to Emotive Pixels Podcast. I'm your host, Pauly Kroll, and I'm here to reconnect you to the Vortessence. That's correct. We are finally covering Half-Life Alex for today's show, and joining me is... Will Atkinson. And Nate. <laughs> we are very excited to spoil the heck out of Half-Life in general, and Half-Life Alex specifically. But before we start talking about the game, as always, we're going to start off with our icebreaker question, which is going to be, what's your favorite VR thing before VR was a thing? And I'm going to throw it over to Will to tell us. Don't really say what I'm going to say. I really should have had a better answer here. Uh, I think that probably the VR thing that sticks in my head the most is a, an old TV show called VR5. Um, it was this... Um, the like both, a, both the other hosts are furiously Googling. <laughs> <laughs> it was like this super campy, like this guy fought crime by calling up people with in this VR machine and they picked up the phone and that made them jump into their VR. Um, but well, hold I, on. The protagonist is the Bing AI Sydney? Uh, sure. <laughs> Just anytime I see Sydney now, I'm like, is it Bing? Um, but it occurs to me that my favorite VR before VR was a VR or was a thing is the holodeck. Best you can't VR give ever. two. Right. You, the only reason you can't give two is because I was going to say the holodeck. That's a good answer. Good answer. Good answer. In that case, I'll I'll retract my holodeck and go with the Matrix because that's a really you. good uh, VR. VR was a VR. That's three. For those for those of our listeners that don't know, what is the hollow deck? Nate, because I assume that's your thing. Yeah, it's a simulation space within the Starship Enterprise. I guess all the starships. This is just a common technology. Where oh, is that from Star Wars or Star Trek? Good good clarification. No, it's also in the Death Star. Uh, that was used for what training purposes as well as entire episodes when their budget was running low and <laughs> all kinds of good stuff. It just is a good way for that show to be able to kind of do anything that the creators want it to do. So like as a narrative device, the holodeck is genius, but obviously I think also that's the, like the idealized dream simulation. It's not just putting a camera on your head. It's like having the entire room around you be the thing you move amongst. And not just move amongst, but can also, like, feel and interact with and taste and smell and everything, right? Yeah. Just about every episode, the um, safeties go offline. So, you know, they're a little bit of a death trap. Worth it. Okay, what about Molly? Well, my favorite VR thing before VR was a thing. I don't know if this counts as VR, but it is video games still. I'm not going to TV shows or anything like that. Um, so did you guys know about the battle tech centers? Yes. So battle tech centers is a thing I didn't know about until I was brought there by my family. And it's like this intense experience where you go there and like the, the people who work there, like role play that you're like in this like mech war and like you get sprayed with like those decontamination jets and like they give you a suit (laughs) to put on and you go into these pods which are pretty much like gaming rigs with a screen built into it and like you close they close you off and then you control with like these special controllers like a mech suit and you guys fight it's not really a suit it's more like a a vehicle i guess but 
This sounds like awesome. A, like a hover tank type thing. But it was so awesome. And it was like the combination. It's not really VR, but it was like as close as I could get back yeah. then, I feel like. But I guess what would be kind of closer to VR is, do you guys remember Beachhead? I think it was like 2002 or 2000 or something yep, like that. Yep, yep, The arcade game that like spun around 360 and oh, all that. Oh, yeah. Yes. The big fucking... So that was the other thing that came to, to mind from that. I also remember in an arcade playing a VR and, um, you know, without getting too technical, um, there's something like, um, I think they decided on that most people will not get queasy as long as the latency is roughly less than 90 milliseconds, something like that. And the VR at that time was like two seconds. It was <laughs> fucking nuts. Um, and it was like, if you moved your head, the entire world would move two seconds later. And it was, um, it was super fun as long as you didn't move your head, which, you know, kind of defeated <laughs> the whole purpose. <laughs> and also like, you say that like, as long as it's not this, you won't get sick. But like, also like, how do you feel now if you play a game with like under 30 frames per second or something like that? Right. But back then, like that was like normal and the it was fine. <laughs> like people back then just booted up shooters and vomited the screen with a 30 second. Yeah. Something we'll talk about later. Like the, the Half-Life series, like the original Half-Life game, I played on like a HP computer that was totally not a gaming computer. Yeah. There was no graphics card in it. This was like, playing at 10 frames per second and not knowing any better and being fine with it and loving it so there were definitely stories when half-life 2 came out that because the field of view was a little weird compared to what most people used to people getting all kinds of nauseous just playing half-life 2 um you know, a great game yeah huh. they're like i'm getting sick because the mouth when i move the mouse my head moves it's so disorientating they're like <laughs> uh. <laughs> all right well great uh great favorite vr things folks um next up we want to talk before we talk about the game we kind of want to explain how we played half-life alex because it's a vr game i believe this is our first vr game we've covered on this uh podcast yeah um so i wanted everybody to talk about their vr setups and how you experience this game so that way as we talk about the game we can kind of get all those tech questions out of the way so i suppose i can go first i'm not going to just throw it a will every time um so i I got a Vive pretty early after it was released. The Christmas right after Vive came out is when I got it. Um, and I really liked my Vive. I really like my Vive. It's still what I'm using. But when I got it, I had a, a PC that was top of the line when I built it, but it was a 980 Ti with a Devil's Canyon Intel CPU. And it worked well for gaming, and it worked well in VR, but I think Half-Life Alex was the first game that really tested it, because I tried Ooh. playing it right when it came out, and I was digging it, but right when I got to the part where, like, that hovercraft kind of flies over your head when you're, like, walking over some scaffolding... Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. That taxed my GPU or something, and like the world got in very, very framey. And that was when I like immediately got sick to my stomach because I was already up on scaffolding and like I moved my head and it didn't respond. And that was just too much. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to do something about this. So that delayed me quite a few years until I built a new PC. And as we'll discuss, just putting off VR games can be a common thing. So didn't get to it until we got to this podcast. So. I'm playing now on a Vive. Um, I 
Didn't use Vive controllers for this though. I went and grabbed the Index controllers. So I'm playing on an old Vive headset huh. with Index controllers with no nose guard on my Vive anymore because that broke off and you can't buy those anymore. No, you cannot. Not even on eBay or whatever. So, but it's fine. So it uh, I still like, like it a lot. Printing. I don't. I don't think that I would move on to another headset at this point because I'm still really appreciating the Vive. I think it's working great. And as far as the controllers, I think the Vive controllers would have been fine. I mean, I like the finger controls and everything like that, but it's not worth three hundred dollars to me. I'm not going to keep the Index controllers. I don't think because it's just not worth it for. Um, for the experience it gives you, I got just as much. If anything, I like shooting better with the Vive controllers because they just feel more like guns. But um, but the, it is nice having the full finger like recognition stuff. So that's what I'm playing on now. It's hooked up to a um computer that's running a um AMD CPU, the X3D, the first series X3D CPU, and I have a 6950 XT AMD GPU in it. Yeah. How about you, Nate? I am playing this on a Ryzen 5 5600 with a 2070 black uh, wirelessly tethered to the Quest 2, which I thought would be... I, I don't know. I had put off this game a bit thinking that that would present some problems, but as a testament to this game, I think that worked really great, actually. And I played half of it in standing mode and half of it in sit mode, which I think we'll talk about more. And I actually played in left-handed mode, which I I think we're going to talk about as well, because that actually really helped me a great deal. Are you left-handed? Yeah, I am. And yeah, it's interesting, because I play games right-handed, right, with a mouse. So this was an interesting experience of like, whoa, I felt way more competent at this game. Is that because I played with my left hand or because this is a good game? I don't know. Uh, what about Will? Um, I have a Vive Pro. I can't remember if it's a Vive Pro One or Vive Pro Two. Um, I did replace the um the towers, and I have the Index controllers. Uh, thirty eighty Ti. Um, so pretty nice, beefy setup. Oh. All right. Excellent. So we all have different experiences for how we experienced it, but we all experienced it. So let's get to the game summary. So we kind of have a short version uh, that I wrote in here as a joke, and then a slightly longer short version by Nate, and then we can kind of go through more detail on the history of Half-Life. So my short version was, the world sucks, you gotta save your dad, you try to save the hero after you save your dad, and then you save the villain instead. That's pretty much the game. So crushed it. Wonderful talking to you folks, and we'll see yeah, you on the next Emoto Pixels podcast. Time. But uh Nate, why don't you tell me your version? I, I take umbrage with your saving the villain and also that you intended yeah. to save the hero, and also that you saved your dad, and also oh, no, well, the world ex- does suck. So, I can yeah. I can Actually, hear yeah, you great. with the villain because I think uh we'll we'll just go right in and spoil the end of the game right <laughs> off the jump. But um, I don't think Gmail Gmail necessarily is a villain, but to Gmail, me he's definitely Gmail. <laughs> I don't think. Uh, but he to me Gman is like the old like Greek god or something like that, or a a Roman uh, god, or so it's kind of like that mythical figure that's like 
sort of like a Loki figure where they could do whatever they want and they do do whatever they want. And sometimes it fucks with people and sometimes it do- I'm not talking about Marvel. Will, calm down. It's okay. <laughs> he was so excited. Um, it's, it's one of those, like, you, you never know their true intentions and they don't, they, they do, they obscure that purposefully, but he does fuck with people's lives. So that's what I mean by villain. It's definitely not what your intention was. I feel, I feel like if Alex or Eli or anybody in this game had the choice whether they should let G-Man out of a box or not, they wouldn't, but yeah, he's like an entity more than a character. So like a Q figure almost. Q is a great example. Great. great. Yeah. I was curious for your guys' perspective with more Half-Life backstory on like what exactly the ending implies and what context we have there, but <clears throat> I guess I should give my medium length summary. Do you have any more? Uh, I'm not sure why, before we move on to that, why will do you have Umbridge to my try to save the hero and especially save dad? Um, so the, sorry. Cause not only do you save the dad, but you also save the dad again. Okay. <laughs> okay. That is that's, true. That's fair. Um, and then also, oh, uh, should I give Nate my, uh, four sentence history of half-life as the, as it pertains? I would love that. Do you want five like sentences that. or do you want to do four? I, do you, or Polly, do you want to do that after our summary of this game? I'm gonna. I'm, I want to hear uh, Will's four sentence history of Half Life, but I also want to add on to the end of my short version. After save villain, instead save dad again, just so it's <laughs> yeah, official. Okay. okay. Um, Updated. So I think it's interesting that the G Man himself isn't actually the. I mean, he compared to us, he's God figures, but he's employed. Um, yeah, that is. Yeah. And so his employers are the like meddlesome get get into shit people people whatever entities um the meddlesome yeah. get into shit people that's so the villains he doesn't really seem like the trickster himself to me he just is like doing trickster things for somebody but yeah anyway um you don't know that you don't even think that gordon is in that box until chapter nine Right, like at the very, basically the run-up to the end. Yeah. Um, and, like, there's a bit a bit of a swerve in there where you, you're, oh, I guess you do save your dad. Well, I, I, should I read the plot? Yeah, let's do it. You are Alex in an unspecified Eastern European city, possibly number 17, I don't know enough about Half-Life canon, whose dad has been captured by the Combine... You discover he's being taken to the vault, which is a massive combine spaceship floating in the sky, charged by massive infrastructural power cables. You surely take down those supports and the ship crashes to the ground. You enter it and you discover not your father, not Gordon Freeman, as is teased, but the G-Man, who asked you to agree to protect your father from a vision of his death that you are shown. You agree to do so and you end up signing yourself to employment by the employer of the G-Man. So... In the beginning, there was the Black Mesa incident. Yep. <laughs> uh, Gordon and the scientists accidentally create a portal to another dimension, um, and they, um, long story short, they fight off aliens and uh, save the world. A uh, couple of, um, right at the end of Half-Life 1, Gordon is um, taken by the G-Man and put into um, some kind of temporal 
containment temporal prison thing to be awoken at some future point in time. Um, that is Half-Life 1. Half-Life 2, you get woken up by the G-Man. He's like, all right, it's, re- it's time for you to do your thing. Um, so this game happens while they still don't know what happened to G- uh, Gordon. Between Half-Life 1 and 2, the aliens actually come back and, and take over the world. Uh, they call it the Seven-Hour War. Um, they just freaking demolish Earth. And um, it's a little bit confusing because um, in the first game, you're fighting against the Vortigons. The Vortigons are actually just are like being mind-controlled by the, the big bosses. Um, the Nile- I can't remember if the Nihilanth is the bad guy or he's also being um, mind-controlled. Yada, yada, yada. Um, so Gordon comes back. He um, basically uh, frees. What's, what's the word I'm looking for? What do you call it when you give freedom to an entire people? Nate, what's the word for that? Liberate. Emancipate. Lib- both of those oh. words. Um, he basically liberates humanity um, by destroying the Citadel, which is that giant frickin' tower. The tower that we only can see the base of in the beginning of this game. Um, and uh, that's that's Half-Life 2, um, him destroying the, the Citadel. Um the the two episodes that happen afterward, um, uh, there's more going on. But at the end of Half Life Two, Episode Two, um, there's right after a big fight, um, Eli gets grabbed by one of those um, big slug things. They're they're the um, the psychics that are basically controlling everything, and they're they basically are um, in the the in the back hidden throughout everything um but one of them grabs eli kills them throws him on the ground um gordon is pinned up against the wall so you see all this happening you can't actually do anything that's the end of half-life 2 episode 2 so oh okay the thing that you're seeing in this interesting game and that the g-man tells you is the future is what is the end of half-life 2 episode 2 he shows you the end where eli dies and you chain or you change which, the ending of that game. Which is why it's such a powerful ending. Because is this cool. is a game that they cliffhanged us for, what, 13 years or something like that? And By at the end of the follow-up the game, the <laughs> they left... No, they leave you at the same exact cliffhanger ending. They just changed it a bit. They're like, oh, actually, this happened. Oh, that's funny. Stay here. See you next <laughs> time. Like, But I do have a couple umbrage with... First off, that was way more than four seconds is my guy. Four sentences is my guy. And... Two, you said in the beginning there was the Black Mesa, but really in the beginning there was the whole Nihilith thing where the um, Nihilith was protecting, uh, trying to protect the Vex planet from the Combine and everything like that. And that was way before Black Mesa or Earth or anything like that, like thousands of years ago. So um, there was much more than just Earth's involvement in all this. But mostly that was really good. One quick caveat. Um, Half-Life also has two uh, parallel games, which are cool. Um, one is Blue Shift, which the protagonist is Barney. Doesn't show up in this game, but he shows up in Half Life Two, etc. Um, and the other and Half Life One. Oh yes, you I drive mean, by yep. him on the train at yep. the beginning. You there. like wave at him, and then um, Half Life Opposing Force. Um, so wh- when Black Mesa gets attacked, uh, a bunch of Marines come in, and then they start. The Marines are fighting Gordon, and then the Marines start fighting the aliens, and then shit goes down. Um, 
but you play as one of the Marines who's trying to help. Um, there's this part where you, uh, as the Marine, and I can't remember his name, um, but there's this nuke that's about to go off and you have to do all this shit to go and um, disarm the nuke and you disarm the nuke and then you walk like around behind the glass thing and you look back and the G-Man's there rearming the nuke because the nuke has to go off in the continuity for for Gordon. It's kind of fun. So who are the Vortigons? They're just like a, a bystanding race that's malevolently controlled. I feel like before we answer who are the Vortigons, you have to understand the Combine is this combination of all... That's why humans call it the Combine. What the Combine does is it's like an organization that goes around and steals planets, resources, and just adopts people through mind control and other means to just be part of us kind of thing. So Vortigons are just one of the many alien races that have been molested by the combine they have been not exactly combine because they're very powerful but as you see in this game they're they're abused in many ways yeah just like all other beings have been okay there's there's a bunch of stuff like you can get super deep into this and which is also amazing because a lot of this happens like in context there's like news articles and stuff in the game that you have to to read there's no there's not really like a narrator telling you here's what was happening Um, right but um what it seems like is the um, the combine use them for teleportation, and then um, the the in the Black Mesa incident, you are basically opening a portal to another dimension, which is where they're coming through. Um, so the the Vortigons like naturally have a bunch of powers that are they're different um, than humans. Um, so it, it, there's just fun stuff going on. Cool. Yeah. So. Uh, Will, you have a very like intense history of the games. Have you played all the Half-Life games or just the major ones? Or what's your history with the series? Yeah, I've played, uh, as far as I know, everything Half-Life. Um, Half-Life, uh, Blue Shift, Opposing Force, Half-Life 2, all the episodes, all the portals, all the, 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 the single-player, multiplayer versions of the portals. Um, I swear i heard some of the portal theme uh coming through right before you figured out or got to um the g-man in the end um oh. it was i my money was on it was going to be shell instead of gordon um and then you know <laughs> you thought it was going to be shell <laughs> i thought it was going to be shell what a cool honest to, honest wow. to god um uh portal two but shell wasn't there for black mesa Portal 2, you wake up in a room that looks a lot like the rooms that you walk through in uh, Zero Point, or what is the last mission called? Uh, Point Extraction. Like, you wake up in a room that looks a lot like those rooms, Mm. and I I, could have sworn it's like, oh, maybe maybe Alex wakes up Shell to to get that story kicked off again or something like that. Like, that's how it tied back in. um, Interesting. Yeah. So, Nate, it's pretty clear you played none of the Half-Life games? When I was a wee lad, I played Half-Life 1 on my computer. I think I beat it. I don't really remember Zen or how weird the ending got, but I think that's just because I was young. <clears throat> I played Do you know most... what the Nylanth looks like? No. Kind of like a big fat fetus, right? It's this but giant big floating head? baby with a huge head that you jump up in. Yeah. Interesting. I've been meaning to play um, 
Wait, is Black Mesa the like redo of Half Life? Yeah. Oh, I haven't played Black Mesa. I, I really want to like. Maybe that's an upcoming podcast episode. That'd be a good thing to get through. Um, I played Half Life Two many moons ago upon the release of the Orange Box, but I don't really remember the ending, which means maybe I didn't finish it. Maybe I like. Maybe when they were like, we never go to Ravenholm, I was like, okay, and I put it down at that point. <clears throat> and I have played Portal 1 and 2, which I don't think count, but whatever. This part of, it's in the same universe, it's not really as tied into the story, but close yeah. enough. It was almost tied in, well, I mean, the the Borealis, uh, was which is the thing that they tease at the end of Portal 2? Um, was supposed to be the um, place uh, you're heading that, to on the helicopter at the end of uh, right before Eli gets killed, right? Um, yeah, but um, so if you'll remember, Half Life Two, um, the source code got stolen before the game came out, and like they like completely scrapped that game and, and pushed it back years. Um. But supposedly the the setting for um, the scrapped version of Half-Life 2 was the Borealis, so that's interesting. I should also add that I like, I'm not happy that I haven't really played all of these recently. <laughs> like, obviously these are, when I was a kid, it's like, ah, oh, this is just an interruption to my SimCity time. But now it's like, I really want to go back and play all these, especially after this. There's a, oh man, I'm going to get super sidetracked if you guys let me get away with it, but the end of Half-Life 2, um, you're standing on top of the Citadel and you make this giant explosion and the G-Man stops time and as you can see the like fireball inching its way toward you and he like stops out of, or you know stops time and pulls you out and has a conversation similar to the end of I mean all the G-Man's conversations are similar um, but that scene of you standing there and just seeing the fireball f- creep upon you man great great dope so for me um half-life has this like i've always kind of had this like special yearning for half-life because i was so close to getting into it so many times but like (laughs) i never played through any of the through completely any of the games i got the orange box but i didn't have like an actual gaming pc i had like some kind of hp work pc or something like that and i really tried to play through half-life was a bit too dated and old for me to get into back then so, like, I, I enjoyed it, but I didn't want... So, I played, like, the beginning when you actually make the catastrophe happen and whatnot, and that's all I recall. I'm sure I went a little bit further, but I don't remember much. And then Half-Life 2, I played through quite a bit of it, making my way, like, clawing my way through the horrible graphic fidelity and frame rates that I had to around where you get the dune buggy um, after Ravenholm. I know it was that. But I remember trying to drive in that. was It was impossible. It was like, I can't play anymore. It just couldn't happen. The computer was, just wasn't up to it. So then it wasn't like, oh, just pull up YouTube and watch a video of it or anything like that. So not until like years later did I watch a playthrough of it and really like got into the story then, but wasn't ready to play it myself again or anything like that. Um, and then before this podcast or before this, uh, playing through Half-Life Alex, I decided to sit down and actually watch a history and lore of all the Half-Lives before Alex. So I do want to shout out to, uh, TGN. There's a wonderful, like 24 minute YouTube video that goes through in detail the history and lore of Half-Life. Um, really cool. 
Sweet. Um, so I watched that. That's how the only reason why I can correct Will on some things. He actually has real <laughs> knowledge. I just have, uh, I guess, gain knowledge is real <laughs> knowledge, but whatever. You, um, you do remind me. I I didn't mention it, and I I think I forgot about it that they um ported Half Life One into the Half Life Two engine. Um, I think it's called Half Life Source. Does that sound yeah. right? Yes. yes. Um. And that was interesting for a couple of reasons. One is like it looks pretty and and things um are work better um better game just in general, but there are some physics puzzles which um once you put them in a physics system, all of a sudden were way harder um than they were in the original game. There was the, I this one puzzle just comes to mind where they had these boxes that had a um they were attached to a cable in the middle and in the initial game you jump on the box and the box would like move back and forth um but in half-life one source you jumped on it and the box would start tilting all over the place and it was just a fucking nightmare anyway i just thought that was completely off tangent sorry no it's fine so i think we've given the gist of the story but really like half-life alex (laughs) is a special kind of experience for me it was a special kind of experience where there's lots of pieces of this game that are super interesting and immersive and memorable and just you go through some shit in this game it's a vr game they put you right up in front of it and you experience something so i thought this would be a good time to kind of go through some of our favorite moments and kind of at the same time go through the chapters and and what stood out to us and things like that so right off the bat does anybody have anything their number one what stands out from this playthrough what was the thing that you remember more than anything for me it was the opening i i just think the opening's good the opening's good in such a low-key way you're just on a balcony and stuff is happening it's like a nothing opening but also i was like holy fuck this is immediately riveting in like a nothing kind of way which i thought was really cool i like how they that, reintroduce you to the striders yes um, you see them like plugging shit in yeah like if like if you came from half-life 2 it was scary as shit to see that strider walk up on you and then it's just like doing maintenance tasks it's like yeah whoa. there's that like like i don't know it's like a few minutes in when you see one walk overhead i think that was the part that made Polly build a new pc 10 years later <laughs> but um, that I just like looked up and just like consciously realized I was forgetting to be scared. I was just like, holy shit, goosebumps. This is so cool. Yeah, the the sense of scale they gave you right from the jump there, um, like looking over the balcony, seeing City 17 and seeing uh, the, what's the big building called? The, the Citadel. Citadel, like off in the distance and everything like that. Just the sense of scale and seeing like... uh the striders walk around the sound design of that as well it's super powerful in the scale like it's oppressive and things like that great intro giving you a lot of fun stuff to play around with right there on the balcony the markers and all that stuff um really cool intro to the game um that's obviously the intro is going to stand out as the first thing the camera camera there's a there's a video camera recording the citadel and um, there's a TV that shows the view from yeah, the camera. That, and if you, that whole room, like, and, and such a, something 
stands out from the beginning and holds up almost throughout the whole game the lived-in sense of the world like this is yeah. the room that the alex has been working in she's been monitoring the movements of the combine for what seems like months preparing for this heist and everything like that and you can look around there's notes everywhere and she has a little pet what do you call those little slug thingamajiggers um to snark and you could feed it if you want to and things like that really cool like the amount of detail in all these rooms is just astounding, and it's a great I, way to kick that I off. I totally agree. The entire game feels like that to me. I think one of my favorite, like, high-level, like, my favorite thing about this game is something that carries on throughout almost all of it, which is that it kind of has the journey structure. There's a big thing in the sky. Go towards it. Like, I really, it's like the God of War 1 structure. I just really like that. You can constantly, like, feel yourself getting closer to some kind of objective. I... I I just really like that. You're always like looking up at that thing like damn. They um they do a great job of doing that at a lot of different levels and I had this, you know, kind of later in our plan, but um everything from like you said, you know, you see the end of the game and you're yeah. walking toward it. There are times where you'll walk into a room and everything's dark except for one light across the room. You're like, "Oh, that's yes. where I need to go to get out of this room." Or um you know, you'll um early on in the game you walk across a bridge and you can look down and see you know an an area down there with a zombie walking around and then you're like oh 20 minutes later when you walk back through this area you're walking down there and you know where the zombies yeah. are going to be like you have a sense of it lets you plan ahead and think ahead and and gives you um you know shows you that um you know shows you it helps you be prepared for the things that you're going to see and know where to go. Yeah. And on the other part of that, the next thing that stood out to me is the fucking, I don't care how much they lamp, lamp was it called lamppost or signpost or whatever? Lamp. They, yeah. they show off the fact that you're about to fight some head crabs dealing with my first couple of head crabs. Terrifying. I don't give a <laughs> fuck. They're little, they're kind of cute fucking terrifying something's jumping at my face and i am nowhere near prepared enough to reload a pistol while something is crawling around near me fuck you <laughs> i all the way it to was the a end. challenge all, all the way, way to, to the, the end yeah all the way to the end of the game the ones with the armor on their backs oh yeah fuck those guys <laughs> the best approach was to shoot them midair it felt like which is crazy yeah, well they, they like... they'll show themselves right before they jump at you but i could barely this? get a hit off on them I'm, yeah I'm totally going off pace here but felt pretty good aiming the gun yeah the pistol until i upgraded it to have that reflex sight on it Dude, the reflex sight reflex sight not and a good fuck upgrade the fact that you can't undo your upgrade oh they what limit happens if you your get resources the... so much and you're like oh this sounds great and you get it and dumb fucking paul got to that point in a previous playthrough and said oh i don't like this upgrade at all Started from scratch for this podcast and got the same fucking upgrade because he's an idiot. Because he's an idiot and he thought, oh, I have new controllers now. It'll probably be a better site. No, it's a bad site. Uh, what I happens if you add the laser sight on on top of it? The laser sight. The laser sight's great. Way, way better than the, the reflex. Totally. The thing about the the reflex, uh, I don't even know if it's the re hollow sight, whatever it's called. If you really think about it, it makes sense. And like, and this is what the developers were going for, I'm sure. Like, Oh, it doesn't change the fact that if you use the iron sights, they still work fine. But 
my brain from playing Call of Duty says, oh, this is a holographic sight, so I don't use the iron sights at all anymore. It's a completely new aiming scheme, and it's just going to be like this angle I hold it at. But in reality, if you still use the iron sights, they work just like they used to, but it just broke my brain enough for that to be a bad sight for me. So I really liked the... I really liked the hollow sight right up until I got the laser sight. Um, were, were you guys actually able to use it? I think this is a quest problem. Like, things up really close don't look great, and I don't know if that's, like, um, yeah, they, they just kind of get blurry. Uh, I, I never t- put the gun too close to my face. Oh, you held it at a distance I'm, and looked I'm down like the a, this. I'm like a John... Imagine John Wick. I'm just like John Wick. I'm oh exactly man, I held like it like a like a one fucking one John Wick. A, a John Wick without his glasses on. <laughs> <laughs> You're walking around like this. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. He's holding like a gun to his eye socket. The first time I shot a rifle, I had it like up to my face, and my friends were like, "Uh, well, definitely don't do that with a pistol." What's really funny is I had I w- a lot of times I would use my left hand underneath my right hand on the butt of the gun, kind oh, of um like I, that. That's dope. At the very end, I saw that she'll actually hold it like that. But what I ended up doing after I got the hollow sight and was stuck with that for the rest of the game, and stupid, I know, but I found myself cocking it to the side like a 90s rapper, (laughs) and and like that made it easier for me to use that hollow sight when I did the sideways shoot mechanic. Interesting. So the thing I like about the hollow sight is it forces you to like put it up to eye level. Um because the hollow side just doesn't work without it, basically. Um, and then once you get the laser, like, um, I could fire from basically hip firing the gun yeah. past that point. Um, and so, like, as the ability to just find, shoot, hit things, it was way, way better. Um, but I, I, I was a little saddened that I didn't have to, like, actually aim anymore. And we went a bit off uh, chronological and topical order, but we did because we're talking about guns. Let's keep talking about guns and not talk <laughs> about the gloves yet as much as I'm dying to talk about the gloves. But the guns, uh, what was your favorite gun? I loved, I'll, I'll go first. I loved the shotgun. I thought the shotgun oh, felt yeah. so fucking good. And yeah. once you get the laser sight for the shotgun and once oh. you get the grenade launcher for the shotgun, oh boy, that was my favorite thing to upgrade. Once you get the automatic reloader for the shotgun. I don't. How many, I never, I never how many got grenades? Grenade. Yeah, tell us about the grenade launcher. Yeah, how the grenade launcher was dope because what it was is you get grenades throughout the game and they're fun as fuck. But I found myself you can only hold two grenades and you can't hold a gun at the same time. So yeah. you can't. You could put grenades in your pockets, but I was using those for health and for some other things from time to time. So it wasn't reliable, and I tend to just the throw them as soon as I get them. Yep. But um, with the grenade launcher attachment it's something that goes on the end of your shotgun you can slap a grenade on there and then it puts like a cocking mechanism underneath the shotgun and you push it forward and it p- pretty much just pushes the grenade up in front of the shotgun and then that first shot will be the the grenade when you put it in place or you can pull it back off and and it feels so good for a combine soldier to walk up to you and just shotgun blast a grenade right at his face that's awesome. oh my god uh it felt great it also uh, interestingly put on one of those like arcs of where the grenade is going to go when you're shooting it too, which you don't get when you're throwing it. No. So you're, there's no way you're not shooting somebody in the face with a, with a grenade at that point. Huh. That sounds pretty awesome. And like the reload mechanics of mostly everything are awesome. Pis- pistol and shotgun. Frustrating. 
to start until you get good at it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It was stressful. And I think that's kind of on, like, yeah. I'm so used to having like, oh, first B, you know? Right. It's <laughs> that first scene in the train car. Um, and I was like, wait, what do I, wait, what's yeah. the button? What do I do? Hold uh, run away. Uh, shit. I oh, can't man. tell you the amount of times <laughs> where I hit the, um, eject the full clip out instead of chamber the round <laughs> and like there's two zombies walking up and you're like ready to sh- uh, uh, you just eject that clip i just put in uh frustrating but by the end of the game i felt super competent in it i think my least favorite thing was reaching over my shoulder to get the clip out of the bag i kind of wish i could do anything other than reach over my shoulder to get the clip but I did get used I, to it. So. it was the, I thought that felt really cool, but when it missed, I was I had full on like Alexa or Siri frustration. You kept dropping stuff on on your feet. Well, I didn't yeah. miss taking stuff out of my backpack too much, but dropping things into yeah, my backpack same. was a common miss. Yeah, <laughs> I missed at least like four resins by just chucking them over my shoulder into <laughs> unaccessible areas. And I was like, and "Fuck!" I, I continually forgot that only resin and ammo goes in my backpack. I was <laughs> yeah. trying to throw everything in there. Uh, nope. <laughs> Just in your wrist pockets, strangely enough. I like the extended magazine pistol. I thought that was really fun. And I just loved that was like an interesting mechanic it's too. Really fascinating. I, I loved like slamming a barrel in, dropping it out, slamming another or slamming a clip in, dropping it, like, it out, slamming another. It was neat. Yeah. So hopefully this isn't too all over the place for you listeners, but because it came up, uh did anybody listen to the developer commentary? on this at all no but i was really interested in that yeah (laughs) so i didn't do it in the game but i did watch an entire youtube series that went through all of them yeah it was done really well as well um because like they act they they did good acting while the developers were talking they did good vr acting wow Uh, who was developed just two two clicks philip is the uh creator that i watched by the way for reference okay uh as a quick context um like almost all of the Half-Life games have done this where um, you basically can replay the game and there'll be like little um, commentary nodes and you go and find them and click them and then they'll tell you all kind of context about the, some, the stuff that you're doing. Um, some of the other games will like take over control and like zoom you to parts of the level that you, you couldn't normally see and like um, they're super great. There's stuff like... Yeah. That's just like that in this and very cool like sometimes they set up like special like hey... We're because we're talking about how fucking cranks work. Here's a bunch of concepts we had for cranks, and you could try each one yourself and stuff like that. Really oh, cool stuff that so they did. Cool. But the reason I bring it up is because they talked a lot about designing the guns and designing the extended clip was one of the big ones. And at first, they just had like a double length clip, <laughs> and they were like, "Well, it works. It does the job." But like, first off, it's re- people are starting to think like, "What's going on in my backpack?" Right? Where <laughs> they're combining I, clips in there. I put this clip in there, and it comes out bigger. And then they're like, "Also, now that I have this upgrade, all the clips I used to have magically got bigger." Um, uh. And the way that they talked about how they came up with the idea to have this like reservoir and the way it worked and how you they changed up the ammo counter. It used to be a number on the gun, but then they said, "Oh, we'll have this no- this dot pattern instead." Super so interesting cool. behind the scenes details about building that out it's, with all all different aspects of it. It's like you can see it load in those LEDs as you're sticking it in. It's yeah. a great it's feeling. Neat. Yeah. yeah. It, you can feel it, you can see it, you can hear it. It's very uh well thought out and, and designed and everything like that. Um the submachine gun fun. Uh one of my was, favorite 
favorite guns to shoot at people blindly, especially antlions, because yes. fuck those fucking things running at you. Absolutely. But, um, yeah. but I think the shotgun is my favorite all altogether. It just felt I, so good to blast somebody away from close range. Yeah. What is what is Will thinking? Uh, you know, I I never got never was too happy with that shotgun. I only ever really used it for those damn armored head crab guys. Really? Um, I, I don't think I've ever used anything other than a pistol on any head crab. I just thought yeah, head crab too. equals small gun. Especially uh, once a zombie with an armored head crab, you used a pistol on it? Yeah, because I well the zombies with the armored have head crabs, I would just shoot with the pistol in their chest because they would fall after like a couple shots and then you'd have to fight the head crab anyway. I was pro shotgun on the big armored combine for sure. Like a shotgun to the head. Yeah. Those guys were normally grenade, if not always aiming for the head. Mm. So we did jump ahead in the story a bit because we, we got excited about head crabs, but I do want to get back to meeting Russell in person. Russell's a new character in this game, unless I'm wrong, correct? As far as I know. Like him. Great character. Yeah. Really fun meeting him. Great personality. His room was super well designed. And the Russells. He's got definite Wheatley vibes. He does have Wheatley vibes. <laughs> he does have Wheatley vibes. He's also Commonwealth. He is the inventor of the gloves you wear, the gravity gloves, if you will. Obviously, oh, Half-Life yeah. known for the gravity gun and very um, useful in VR, considering it, the fact that you do not want to have to reach good, all over your room to yes, pick things up. Genius. Yeah, this is such like a, a good design. like mechanic solution to things. Not only is it a good idea, but the way it's carried out. The, is the way that fun. you very naturally get the rhythm for when you pull something, when you need to grab it and things like that, and how it like kind of changes trajectory through yeah. some magical bullshit when you move your hand the wrong way because you're an idiot. But I, they, they kind of account for that and things. And there's a bunch of different ways to do it. You can do it with a flick. You can do it with a yank. You can do it like it, it all just feels great. So I guess and, for the people that didn't play this lets you grab objects remote from yourself from everything from like, if you're standing looking down to the ground to grabbing it and flinging it up to you and then catching with the other hand to things all the way across the room. Yes. Force powers pretty much. Yeah. Um, point, pull, grab, and you've got it. So and then they're Russell super did generous about the grab area. You can grab to like three human distances away from you. Once it's, yeah. it's traveling. I, I like was curious if this was a common VR mechanic or if this was an innovation in this game. It's, it's been done before, but I feel like this feels the best okay. um, that I've experienced, and I've played a bit of VR games. Um, I just want to note that the the story, they did a good job of introducing these and not making it just like, oh, this is a VR mechanic bullshit, whatever. They did a good job of making it feel real in the game, and they look cool on your hands. Russell designed them. He calls them the Russells, which on the uh, dry erase board in his in his room, is <laughs> spelled out really useful something something electronic lightweight levitating <laughs> and then he has nothing for the last so it's so good but while we're talking about him there's the after you rescue your dad you, you he's hanging from the edge he, he's about to drop you try to grab for him you can't grab him the, the borgon saves him um there's a quick conversation with russell after that he's like so when you were about to rescue your dad, uh, he's like, yeah. He's like, I'm not saying you shouldn't have done it, but if he had grabbed your hand, he would have destroyed the Russells. I mean, this is probably a case where 
it's fine, but you know, I'm just saying, you know, think about Absolutely it. It's worth it with with Eli, but in other cases it might not be worth it. So that's <laughs> so great. Oh yeah. I have to he's talk really, about He's really good, but um that did give us a good intro into another memorable part for me. The Vortigon. Meeting the Vortigon, the I guess slightly damaged Vortigon. Um, did he have a name? Uh, I believe his name is Gary. Okay, I wasn't <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, interesting way you meet it, you run into him, you kind of have some floating garbage in the way and things like that, and they had a really cool puzzle that actually has the Vortigon kind of scroll, like, muraling on the wall the history of Half-Life, like you can go through the different sections of what happened in the Half-Life games, but it's still kind of fuzzy. It almost like hints at the fact that whoever did this doesn't quite have it right, but is got the main gist of it. Like (laughs) it was, it was definitely interesting, but, um, meeting obviously a good amount of comic relief from a lot of the stressful situations that you've just gone through. But I do have to say, there was a little bit of Jar Jar Binks energy for me. <laughs> That's the Vortigon. Uh, yep. Yep. Um, yeah. That- yeah. I do love, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's, it's memed out too, too much by this point, but sustenance him throwing the, the head crab to you after cooking head crabs and everything <laughs> like that. And then, great. and then Russell is like, oh, what did it taste like? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very good. Russell. Russell is absolutely the will humor level. Oh, fuck. I forgot. My favorite part of the game was when he reveals when the talking about vodka that the world before the combine was six out of ten. Yeah. Which I really like. And she was like, what? That's it? That's what we're fighting for? There's another part here there where he's like, um, shit, I forgot. Hold on. I just had it. Two seconds. Give me a second. There's one. There's one uh, monologue he has where he describes a club sandwich, which um, is great. You're in a. It's when yeah, you're getting the flashlight like and you're tall. in a dark area and it's scary and you're he like, has please to monologue talk to for me. A while. <laughs> Fun fact from the developers' commentary: you learn that that is one of the writing room prompts that they had to try to like flesh out Russell's character, and they weren't going to use it in the game until well into development when they're like. This part is kind of intense. We really need to break it up a bit. And that somebody was like, hey, what about that club sandwich monologue that Russell had? And they they actually acted it out. There's, um, I can't that's remember, great. I can't remember what leads up to it, but there's a part where um, she's like, hey, we should we're, we work really great together. We should be teammates. And he's like, yes, we should, Alex. And he like specifically doesn't call her or we should be partners. And he's like, oh, yeah. And then... Uh, he specifically doesn't call her his partner, and then um, he's uh, oh, he like goes back and forth, and he's like, um, you know, you you basically you can work for me, and there'll be stock options, but we're not gonna be partners. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. he, he goes out of his way. Um, yeah. Oh man, I love that. Comment. I should find that. So I think um, right saving Alex's dad, Eli Vance, one of the major like uh, I don't know what to call it set pieces is the train crash where you cause the train cool. to crash and the whole Super tower cool. falls down on you yeah um, again like really showing off the power of vr and the scale and how how realistic it can feel 
Um, so many memories from from this game. I don't want to like touch on every single one, but I'm just trying to give a, an outline here. If there's anything that anybody wants to to call out, feel free to. Um, there's new enemies introduced. You have the uh, Reviver, the Lightning Dog, the uh, Electric Head Crab that makes zombies get back up. Um, interesting mechanic fighting them, having somebody that runs away from you as opposed to somebody that's attacking you constantly. Um, so, I have this, uh, what I call the gravity gun moment. Um, I assume Nate doesn't know what I'm talking about. Do you know what I'm talking about, Paul? Not yet. Uh, the gravity gun moment, just when the gravity gun is introduced, reminds me of when the Russells are introduced, so I'm not sure I know exactly what talking about the very end of half-life 2 your Uh gravity gun Uh gets supercharged supercharged yeah um and there's a similar moment where the russells have the same thing um i got stuck in that room for a good three four minutes oh yeah i was i was holding my hands out (laughs) and green energy was coming into my hands i was like oh that's cool what am i supposed to do what do they want me to do to be a vortigon (laughs) the whole game they have That's me so using my Russells to pull stuff in, and I can't figure out. I just pull I it know. in. The all whole game was tutorializing that moment. Yeah. Yeah. So that happened to all of us then. Yep. That's funny. All right. I was kind of worried about getting to that point and talking about how dumb I am, but uh, apparently that does remind me of something. I did want to ask you you folks before we uh, got the bar in, but, you know, halfway, not too bad. Um, end of the game. How did you guys uh, move? Did you use continual movement? Did you use the jump movement or whatever you call it? The blink, was it? Blink. That's what I used, yeah. Did someone use continual? I used continual, and I think any other way to play the game is wrong. Wow. Yeah. I would be interested in trying it with that. It was, what was that like? It was, it's, it's great. Um, it's a little, there's a few moments where I got a little motion sick, but I found taking off my hoodie solved most of that, but. The intensity of standing up the whole time um, yeah. got to be too much to me for a game this long. Yeah. So about halfway through, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try sitting mode. And sitting mode with continual movement, believe it or not, to me felt more immersive than standing in the game. Because, That's and let me try to explain this. Video games are immersive already, right? We have a podcast called Emotive Pixels, but it might as well be called Immersive Pixels. Whoa. Right. Do you not feel immersed in a game when you're using a mouse and keyboard or a controller sitting down, moving the character? Yeah, I mean, you can. I I feel like I've trained my brain at this point to have that. And it's almost less immersive to me to be standing up and feeling fatigued and feeling like yeah. not exactly knowing what to do. But once I sit down and I have, I'm just focusing on moving the joysticks to move my body around and like, my hands are resting on my chair, like which also makes it easy to aim and stuff like that. Being in that more relaxed state and more comfortable state almost made it way easier for me to get into the world and like fully immerse myself in it. Does that make sense? It, yeah, it absolutely does make sense. You would um, think, you would think, oh, it's VR. You have to act out every action. You should be standing and reaching for things and everything like that. But for me, it actually turned out sitting mode was the spot where I was like. Now I can 
play this role and not have to worry about the real like i bumped my ha- hand on the ceiling a couple times talk oh. about losing immersion i when you reach up for something and touch yeah. the ceiling i punched the wall three or four times but i think that's more of like i was so in it that i forgot that there was another but, reality right. but it does bring you right the fuck out of it too well, it yeah. depends on how intense the situation you're in. If you're in one of those dark areas, you're pretty quickly back in it. You're like, oh, fuck, fuck. I I hear what you're saying. I think, I mean, the snap movement isn't very realistic. I, I definitely, yeah, I'm glad I wasn't the only one that got fatigued, right? I wear a leg brace, so I thought maybe I would have had fatigue quicker than you guys. But I definitely, it was like emotionally, I started feeling like playing this was work at some point, And it turns out that was my like... Oh, I'm just tired of standing. Um, I think sitting did present some challenges, though, because I was in a chair. I was kind of up against a wall. Like, I hit my hand on stuff just as often. I should have moved my chair to the middle of the room, I guess. But, um, yeah, I did have to do that. I moved my chair to the middle of the room. um, And Atlas, eventually, my dog decided to not walk up on me while I was sitting on the chair and punching things. But (laughs) (laughs) smart. I was running away from Jeff. And oh, Pamela smacked me in the back of the head with a towel. Holy oh my God. fuck. <laughs> yeah. Custom oh has done that God. to me before, too, in a, in a horror VR game where she sneaks up and touches the back of your neck. And, boy, that's not pleasant. But um, uh, Oh, man. My partner turned on the garbage disposal and put ice down it to clean my sink in the middle. And I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> but um, that does bring us back to Jeff. Boy. Jeff and Larry, Larry, <laughs> Larry, whose Larry. name might as well be, you're not going to understand this guy's blind no matter what the fuck we do. So oh. I'm just going to spell it out for you. This guy's blind. Oh, that Jeff is blind. Yeah. Jeff is blind. Yeah, so Larry okay. had to be there to say, hey, Jeff is hey, blind. Jeff is blind. Hey, <laughs> this is how it works. I'm going to yeah, take that's this true, bottle huh? and I'm going to throw it and he's going <laughs> to follow it. Do you see how that works? Oh, by the I way, also, the same thing he I pops said. in and he's like, hey, those toxic plants that are spewing gas, if you put your mouth over your hand, hand they, your don't, they don't make you cough. Yeah, if you, <laughs> you had to say that like 10 times before I did it, though. They don't make and you cough. And it was cough. really novel. He, I All put the that gas was mask just on. an introduction to the Jeff level, and it was such exposition, but it also was a fun character. And what I really like, hey, did anybody wear a, a helmet in this game at all? I was. So he said the thing yep. to you. Yep. When after he pops his head up, I, I'm assuming just if you're wearing a helmet, he said, like, by the way, nice helmet. Yep, exactly. Because he was also wearing one, and I thought that was really cute. Wait, yeah. did you guys pick one up from in the environment earlier in the game? Yes. Yeah. That's great. I, I, I wore a helmet om- as much as that. possible throughout this game, because yes. if you walk underneath, uh, what do you call the oh, tongues the hanging out? Oh, the guys? Yep. Yeah. If you walk under there with a, with a helmet on, they just get your helmet. They don't get you. What? Yeah. <laughs> Hey, uh, let me uh, tell you one more. Yeah. Those gas masks were in the beginning of the game, too. Yep. If you wear a gas mask and a head crab attacks you, takes out the gas mask. Also, Whoa, you motherfucking Half-Life 2 knowledgeable people. <laughs> also, gas mask means you don't have to cover up your mouth for the that toxic plants or Jeff. I found it halfway Sh- through that, of course. Uh, Jeff spewing off gas. Great idea because, boy, I didn't want to get close to him. And boy, did they make you get close to him in an elevator with him. And boy, yeah, did they, they make did. you press a button ah, right in front of his right raging behind self. Him. That was so cool. Boy, so great moment. 
great I realized moment. I knew what had to happen and I still stood there for like two minutes to be like, you could do this. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I like horror games. This isn't the general horror that I'm used to. This is like more of a like visceral terror type thing of being it, near a large object that's so raging. After this, I, after I got to the end, I got the achievement uh, that for not killing Jeff, and apparently only 10% of people don't kill Jeff. Oh yeah, I slammed Jeff what to death. Not only that about did I not kill Jeff, but I also didn't notice the achievement and did not I, I didn't notice there was a button to close. Like, in retrospect, that's a stupid thing me and Will did. A trash compactor has a button to trash compact. Yeah. But for some reason, I just thought, oh, we, we found oh, a trash compactor. It it's a cage. <laughs> oh, my it's God. It's a cage for death. There's a button I didn't push. <laughs> yeah, I didn't find out till I watched the developer commentary, and they talked about how we wanted to give players the choice because some oh. players actually thought of Jeff as like an angry friend. So we wanted them to give the choice to just, by the way, I don't know if it's much better trapping somebody for eternity than, uh, than smashing them. I'm not sure. I don't know what the more moral decision is there, but, uh, I didn't know. So sorry, Jeff, you're just stuck there forever. I guess a little bit of a weighted companion cube moment. (laughs) (laughs) Any other moments? We already talked about the end a little bit. I think there was quite a few moments throughout, um, but those are the main ones that really stick out to me. I, I was actually curious on this topic, how this compared to VR horror experiences. You kind of hit on it a little bit, but I've never played a VR horror game, and I was immersed and scared, but not terrified. Like, I had a great time playing this. I thought it was really fun. To me, this felt like it was scary because it was immersive. A lot of VR horror comes off like it's trying to be scary. Yeah. And some of it does it well, and it is more scary than this. There's there's experiences in VR. Um, I'm going to have to think of the name of the game. But there is one where I tore the VR helmet off, and I have not gone back to it yet. Because it's just like, no. (laughs) Don't do that to me, game. That's too much. Was it the Don't Shit Yourself Simulator? No, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll look it up. But um, I, I think there's there's other, like, I think Googling the end that. of the game, when they go all weird on you, when you go in and you start to experience the anomaly of the Vortigon energy that's trapping the apartment yeah, complex when it becomes where they a captured G-Man, game. and you could feel G-Man's, like, energy coming out and changing yeah. it, and, like, they're fighting that with each really other, and you're cool. going through this mirror world that is... Used to be an apartment building, but now is a prison. Wait, that showed that they could do a horror, a, a haunted house in VR so fucking well. Like, wait, I got huge yeah. haunted house vibes off of that. And I've played like a haunted house uh, VR game, which is one of my favorite VR experiences. Like, I feel like before this, that was probably my perfect situation for like, fuck going to a haunted house. It's better to just go to a VR haunted house. The- um, only time I've ever felt a little queasy in VR was the part where you're like walking down the ha- hallway, the hallway goes, dips down and also splits up at the same time. And I yeah. Just... That was really interesting. Wait, can you, I think you just said it, but can you contextual? like, I thought that area was really cool. It reminded me a lot of like layers of fear, that sort of Polish demo scene sort of art stuff. It was beautiful. But, but what was that? What was the contextualization of that in the plot? 
so they they had to catch G-Man somehow. So in the in the previous games, Vortigons were the only thing that we've seen be able to slightly pause G-Man. So the fact that they had to use Vortigon batteries, like that were pretty much shooting Vortigon energy into this cell. They who, captured who is him they? in and the, the combine the who captured okay. him. Okay. Wait, what was that? They were draining what? leggies, though, not Vortigons. Where the... Well, what yeah, they were draining antlions, but that was just for the uh, to fill up the barrels for the um, infestation control. So that's a separate thing. We'll talk about that in a moment. Another great uh, in-world, like, why is this happening? But for, for Nate's question, so they captured G-Man in an apartment building. What you might not know in the previous games, uh, G-Man pops up all the fucking time. He's always like in the distance watching you or like you notice him. It's kind of like, you know how in, uh, um, I guess slight spoilers for, um, I can't think of the name of the game. He's is got it serious? Will, where's Waldo vibes? Like, is it what remains of Edith Finch? <laughs> is that the original walking simulator? No, dear Esther, dear Esther. Thank you. Um, so you know how in dear Esther every now and then there's a shadow figure in the distance. Yeah. Like, it's just like that. Like, G-Man is that shadow figure, but more noticeable. Um, <laughs> okay. So, he yeah. does appear. So, he's not in this game at all, which, in retrospect, it kind of points out, oh, it's because he's captured. So, they captured him in this apartment complex, and that's what you explore, this warped apartment complex, which is the Battle of the Vortigons, not willingly keeping him in, controlled by the Combine, and him trying to get out with his, you know mental fuckery, timey-wimey bullshit powers. Yeah, the Vortigons also experience time differently. Which is why that conversation with um, what was his name? Gary is weird, because he talks about... Because he knows the, what's going to happen. Yeah, for him the past, and the past and the future are not, you know... Linear. Yeah. he exper- They experience all time at once or something like that. That's really of, cool. Okay, so they're trapping the G-Man with surrealism by reversing time and space? By controlling time and space, I guess would be the way to say it. Well, he also kind of controls time and space, it seems, so... Right. I, yeah. Okay. With with green stuff, I believe is the official... official Z- the green stuff traps him. Good. Okay, and uh, me as a human, Alex, experiences the green stuff in a certain way. Yes. Is that kind of how we're... Okay. Okay, that's helpful. Ooh, or, so I thought that part was really awesome. Yeah, it was It was definitely interesting, and it's it's kind of still bullshit. I mean, yeah. I feel like that's a theme throughout this whole thing. It's kind of all bullshit that they made up for whatever reason that they wanted to make the game the way they want. Like, even something that Will said way, way back at the beginning of this podcast, how uh, G-Man is employed. You know who is employed by Will? He's employed by fucking Valve. Um, of course <laughs> he's he's there is that the canonical there, explanation he's there make the game happen he's like the oh, employer man. we're the employers we pay for the game we want the game to be interesting so g-man makes the fucking game interesting if there was no combine on in city 17 or on earth that would not be an interesting game it would be dear esther i guess so oh fuck <laughs> i just shit on one of my favorite games yeah i was gonna say but but I think that's that's like kind of Valve's de- design philosophy is do whatever you want and we can just explain it with some bullshit. 
there's a yeah. another um Russell or this reminds me of another Russell Alex interaction um where the, at, when you think it's still some kind of super weapon um and she, she they're like uh he's like oh yeah it looks like they're trying to take it off off world or to another dimension to go you know use it to fight some other uh on some other front and she's like well why don't they just use it here and he's like because they already won this war alex it's just yeah like, um brilliant which also kind of um we can come back but i love or i thought it was interesting that alex seems far more like naive in this game than i remember her being and maybe it's just time and i was younger and and didn't like see her that way before um but because she was born after the um was she born after she couldn't have been um also she couldn't have been born afterward because one of the things the combine does is makes every human uh infertile well um, she was raised in this world yeah. and also huh. well remember this is her first one of her first experiences dealing with real shit so after this game is when you meet her when she's less naive no yeah, exactly also after this game, you never meet her because she warps in time. Yeah. And there's a whole, you experience this whole other time space continuum that never actually happened and also did at the same time. Yeah. So, so the continuity was my, my other kind of gripe. Like, exactly what you're saying, right? In order for her to have jumped ahead in time and changed something, she couldn't have, or like, none of this could have happened because she didn't know about it when Gordon talked to her. But then also she's gone, so now she can't talk to Gordon. And so, like, Gordon wouldn't have gotten Eli killed in the first place. Oh, man, it's it's uh, uh, annoying in a way that a Half-Life timeline is supposed to be annoying. Can you talk to me about why, like, what happened to the super weapon? Is that just, like, by the end of the plot, is that just a misunderstanding? Yeah. Yeah, I think Eli okay. was captured. He was bringing being brought to the vault and he somehow gathered that they're in this vault they have a super weapon and they didn't think that the super weapon they didn't know what it was something that's important some kind of super weapon and then when they heard that conversation like with the female that scientist that's when they started thinking it was a person and it was Gordon. Something okay. super powerful that the Combine is afraid of like they from all this context they thought oh I it see. must be a weapon. Yeah, it could have been a weapon. It could have been Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's it. I didn't even know that the... Yeah, I should really go play the other games. The Combine being afraid of the G-Man says there's more... Like, I didn't realize... I guess I thought of the G-Man as more antagonistic to just Gordon, but clearly he would be antagonistic to the whole, like, world. That's the thing. He he liked Gordon. He had Gordon in stasis... Um, for a purpose to bring him back into Half-Life 2 and he was supposed to not not do what he did at the end of Half-Life 2. That's why he's not content with Gordon anymore because he kind of he because he wasn't supposed to blow up the big building. What's it called again? Why can I never remember the Citadel? Because you hate sitting down now that you've done so much (laughs) Half-Life? We need to take a couple steps back and tell Nate the ending of Half-Life well a couple more bits of context about the original Half-Life game uh, during the Black Mesa incident. Um, so, okay. how many more sentences is this going to be, Will? <laughs> Just kidding. Go ahead. Sorry. 
Um, so like Polly was describing, you're running around Black Mesa and you see the G-Man doing a bunch of stuff. And, um, you know, kind of like I talked about in, uh, in Opposing Force, undoing some of the things you're doing. Um, because he, uh, he's like trying to help things along in a certain, uh, like, uh, what do you call it? Nudging things along. Um, yeah. But at the end of the game, um, you, you know, quote unquote, save the world. And he pulls you out of time and he gives you a choice. You can either choose to be employed by his employers or not. And if you choose not to, he uh, sends you back into an uh, uh, like a space in the Zen where you immediately get killed by 50 um, aliens. Oh, okay. Um, so this was a very direct reference. Yeah. So All he, right. at the end of Half-Life 1, you canonically accept his um, job offer and then he sticks you in a freezer until Half-Life 2. Interesting. I can't stop thinking about his employers being Valve. That's really funny. But he still gets... He, you still talk to him at the end of Half-Life 2, if I remember correctly. He comes back, yeah. And then and the, the Vortigons when, step in the way. That's when... Yeah. That's when he decides, like, he wants to end your employment or whatever like that, and the Vortigons stop it, stop yeah. him, correct? Yep. So that's why he's done with you, and now he's ready to move on to Alex. By the way, again, uh, bullshit video game hero complex, because, like, Alex and uh, Gordon, they're not, like, some kind of gods or something like that. They just, one of them had a gravity gun, one of them had gravity gloves. Like, G-Man could just figure out, like, what if you gave me those fucking cool gloves? Yeah. I could do this shit. <laughs> yeah, if but, I think about the actual plot, I was really disappointed that our character was like, oh, yeah, I'll do anything to save my dad. I was like, really? And and the fact that you don't actually have a choice, like, I didn't want to take the case. I didn't want to save Eli. Sorry, Eli. But you've lived a full life. Um, and that uh, consultant looked hun hungry. Um but you just don't have a choice. You have to. You have to do it. You have to set them up for the next VR game that's probably never going to happen, and the next Half Life game that's we'll get, probably never going to happen. Ten years from now, we'll get another version of this ending. <laughs> um, yeah. So those big slug things we kind of talked about earlier—they're—they're they're, as far as I know, I, I was the thinking highest consultant. Well, well, they have a name in game. Yeah, I can't say it's something consultant? like it's something like consultant or. It begins with an A, I think. Ambassador? Advisors. Something like Advisors, yes. Anyway, <laughs> I think they're, as far as we know, the highest level combine that we know of. Um, but they're like these psychic beings, um, which is like, you know, kind of hints at why they are on some level um, antagonistic with uh, the G-Man and or his employers. Oh, these things. Okay. Wait, that's that canonical answer for who his employer is? No, 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 no. no. Okay, nobody. You'll never know. Other okay, than Valve, okay. yeah, I think it's Valve. Is. All right, I like that. That's like asking, like you know, if you were going to ask a Greek god, like, why do you do what you do? Answer: Do you expect to get you know, or Q for that matter? Because they're employed by Valve. Yeah. So we've gone through a lot of the game here. Um, a couple other things, unless anybody has any topics they want to jump into. One of the things that I'm interested in talking about is sound design and music. I love this game's audio. 
Okay. Can you talk about what that means? Uh, obviously, you're going to do a better job at this. But for me, I, I thought the score did a great job blending the difference between sort of um, kind of the Half-Life 2 portal sort of electro guitar sort of sound with kind of a hyper immersive sort of modern filmic like uh i mean not describe it other than like ripping based like massive sounds like hans zimmer-esque like huge like distortion sounds uh save me from sounding stupid polly what did you think i'm not trying to make you sound stupid i just didn't want to influence an opinion here i was writing down as you were talking my thoughts Okay. I think the sound design in this game is fucking awesome. It's one of the best sound designs. Like, it's probably influenced by directional audio and VR being so much more. Yeah. I think that's yeah. possible yeah. than in a 2D game. Like, yep. you can hear things over you, under you, all around you. And they did an excellent job with the sound design, including, like, not necessarily the sounds, but also, like, some of the music. But I did right here, music awful. Because okay. there are a couple points. Let's I go. knew Will Let's was going to say this. Let's go. There's a couple points in this game where they get into their action mu- music. No. And it oh, is yeah. straight up fucking yeah. 90s third person action shoot. It's like I, I the worst this. kind this of techno. Sense. The fucking laziest oh. kind of bullshit. And it did feel tropey from previous Half-Life games. took me out of the game. Interesting. Like, oh. So hard. And and hearing the developer commentary, they didn't even bring up that kind of bullshit action. But they kept talking about like, oh well, like for the end of the game, we wanted to do uh where we have this recurring theme and, and it's like all they you didn't. did was take a piano track and then play it backwards and play yes. it forwards and play uh, it backwards I, and play I, it forwards. Like that stop was really making immersion it sound breaking. better than it is because yeah. I feel like the, whole, the music fell flat as fuck for me in this. The whole haunted compared house thing to did the feel sound like backwards design, piano. Compared to the sound design, which was great, the music just, oh, fuck. All right, well, sorry. I'm sorry, okay. Will. That's, That's why good. I wrote it down. <laughs> but. Right, what is Will? I Wait, Will can, is I, can, I, can, I, can I riff on Will's that, Polly? Like, Will's like, it was just like The Matrix. <laughs> I, I'm going to riff on that for just a second before Will gets his chance to save it. But, like, it it did... I think I was carried away by when the sound design got cool and when the music became the sound design, as it did in some of the tracks. But it, the music does feel like someone told an AI algorithm to create a VR version of Half-Life 2's score. Okay, now I'm ready for Will. I don't know anything about the the person or the people that were responsible for the music in this, but I feel like they've been responsible for music in video games for far too long and they should stop. <laughs> All right, defeated Will. What what do you think? Uh I mean, you're just wrong on every account and I think that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> like I Will, you're like a regular music listener in games of... for me is would I would I buy a vinyl of this and put it on for any experience other than this game? And absolutely not for this. Have you listened to the Portal 2 soundtrack? Yeah, Will, you're a regular listener of that, right? I, oh man, like, is it the same? Is it the same musician? Oh, I don't, I don't know. It just says it's by Valve. I don't feel like the music in in Portal. I don't quite remember it, but I don't remember. No, because at the end of it, they have the fucking uh, 
the amazing fucking GLaDOS song. That's very totally different than everything else. Yeah, that's just Jonathan Colton. That's probably all I can... If you're thinking portal music, that's all that's going to come to mind, which was one of the the greatest moments in gaming music in my life. Yeah. But also the... Oh, man. But also, when when did Portal Portal come out, Will? That doesn't make it less good. (laughs) Man, this was like 100% member berries. Remember? Oh. Remember remember how it was so great last time and you played Half-Life? And now the... First of all, the... Okay. So he... Back when Half-Life 2 existed, um, there are... Like the the concept of uh, the music dynamically um, coming in, going out, uh, adjusting to the gameplay was not a thing that happened. So that it was um, really uh, innovative in in this series. And so the fact that they're still doing it, um, one uh, on one hand, is a cool throwback, but also it still feels really great, you know, to fill that fucking. Uh, uh, heavy electronic beats as you're going and the action's getting higher and and stuff's just going and and then you you hit that last shot you hear that co- that as the combine soldier dies and the music echoes out and dies out oh man it's just it fits perfectly for this game and you're killing me <laughs> to me it, um, it just felt, felt so tropey and like i'm old now i mean i'm almost 40 like that music makes me think of like going out and dancing in a club and taking drugs which my old body is not i'm already tired from playing vr like it feels like you're, I, you're saying oh man i'm watching this matrix and they've got all this bullet time everybody does bullet time like yeah everybody does bullet time because the matrix does bullet time and and you know what i still appreciate bullet time in the matrix but the song that plays during the bullet time scenes cringe the fuck out of me now. Man, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. It is subjective. Just remember, folks, don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at Will. Music is subjective. Like what you like, and I'll dislike it loudly. So we're about to for have some, some For some too. reference here, uh, the Half-Life series up until the end of Half-Life t- episode, Half-Life 2 episode 2 was done by Kelly Bailey the Valve sound designer who left. And Mike Moraski did the soundtrack for Alex and also contributed some music to Songs to Test By, which is Portal 2's soundtrack, um, and did the Alex soundtrack. Um, also, Valve's website describes him as postmodern, so I'm obligated to like him, so I take back all criticism. Uh, <laughs> there's a great... Uh, how do I get back to this? Um his function is described as follows. Moraski's life and career looks a lot like one of the post- postmodern audio collages he's so fond of creating. Guitar player in a full-time band in Montana as a teen, award-winning experimental composer in Tokyo, audio hardware programmer in Silicon Valley, underground art rocker touring the world, 3D animator, director for television. Basically, it just sounds... Oh, for cult- electronic audio collage artist in France and Japan, visual VX artist on the Lord of the Rings and Matrix trilogies. This is basically Will Bait. I mean... I give him the award for the first the first game in a long time that made me guffaw at the hilarity of the soundtrack. <laughs> oh my god, ruthless! Uh, I am sort of concerned and weirded out, as I was by the credits. Actually, that Valve has changed all of their Spotify artists to just Valve. 
or aperture testing something initiative instead of like giving a human credit. But I guess that's very much in line with what did you guys think of the credits being totally flat? Like no one had role titles. Did you guys notice that? You say flat. And when I heard you say that earlier, I thought you meant like in a 2d plane, which I guess they kind of technically were like, I look behind those credits. But no, you mean that there was no hierarchy. No titles, no hierarchy, yeah. Yeah, that makes I sense. That sounds like the I company. I didn't even notice. There was, some, like there was some sort of, like, they're responsible for this. No. Yeah, just I remember there was something that said, like, I don't remember what it was, but there was absolutely something that said, like, there was something names, in world. And then there was... Companies. Well, there was also for Jake. Who's Jake? Oh, yeah. Who's Jake? That's a good question. Let's, I swear there was something that was like this person in game world oh, the cast they design did. or something like that. So when you say flat, you mean just names and know what they did at all? They're not like. I'm not sure if that's all the way through the, the, the developer. Jacob Nicholson, a developer who died during production. Um, but yeah, there's not like, oh, these guys were programmers, these were QA people, this was sound design, this is the, the you know, game design lead, this guy was the yeah, the sound architect, you know, none of that. It was just... That felt very reflective of Valve's culture. Yeah. Same. It just was interesting to see it so stark. Maybe it was, I swear, the, the brief moment that I looked at something, there was some kind of determination. Maybe it was somebody like that was an upside consultant or something like that. There's a well, list where... It tells you who acts for who at the very end. Like the actors are called out. There's cast. No, I, I understand what you guys are saying, but this I can't remember what it was, but it was something. It was like this name is responsible for like something foliage or something like that. Like there, it was specific to something that happened in the game that wasn't an actor. There was a list after the the um, staff of companies. So like this company provided assets, etc. That one. It might have been. It might have been that. Okay. But mostly the credits. I was thinking about what happened, trying not to listen to the music, whatever it was. And no, I'm just joking at this point. But I didn't really notice. So. I was sitting there, there thinking, is there a post-credit scene? Is there a post-credit scene? There <laughs> sure was. There sure was. Once again, you have the crowbar, which. I did. It was interesting to read them say they didn't like hitting stuff in this game would have been fun. There were so many times. It was not to me. What do you feel like physical combat just didn't feel good. That's why they didn't have physical weapons, right? That's why they didn't do it. Yeah. But I, I, I'm interested in a version of this game where they let themselves build a game that feel good for that. I think that would be awesome. I mean, I tried at one point I found a hammer and I tried hitting somebody with a hammer and just plunger was my go-to. The plunger, probably, but for headcrabs, that's probably a good good call. I was trying. That's to. great. Oh, and I think I'm not sure about this, but I think if you hold your gun up to a headcrab, you can hold them off for a couple of seconds. Did anybody Makes notice sense. that? Like mixed results. I had an empty gun pointed at a headcrab, and it like stopped it. I, I think I think that's what happened. I'm there's a there's a YouTube creator. Um, this is Krusty. And he does a lot of VR games. And I watched a video of him. He found a head crab and he 
uh, tried dressing up the head crab. He put his his little legs into boots and he tried putting a little helmet on him. <laughs> it was very cute. Which reminds me of a section of the game where you guys must have seen this, where you come across across the mannequin with the head crab. Oh yeah, on its head. Yeah. Um, fun fact on that. They had original sounds for the head crab that originally by testers were called too cute and they wanted to make them more menacing. So they got rid of those. But that head crab had the cute noises because to show its frustration with not being able to suck a mannequin. That's great. There's a whole scene in Half-Life 2 um, where I think it's it's not Eli. It's the other guy. Who's the guy from Half-Life 2? The scientist. Uh, who is that? Second, uh, is it Kleiner? Kleiner must be Kleiner, uh, unless Kleiner is the guy that's in charge of the Earth, the ambassador of Earth. Oh, I think that's it's this. Is that? I think it's Kleiner. He's like Eli's buddy. Pretty sure it's Doctor Kleiner. Is Kleiner? I think it's Kleiner. Affectionately nicknamed Izzy by Eli. There's a there's a scene where a head crab attacks um uh Kleiner and you're like, oh shit. And then you figure out that he's um defanged this head crab and he keeps it around as a pet and he like wears it as a hat <laughs> and it's like it's fucking hilarious yes uh, I had to look it up the the ambassador in Half-Life 2 is Wallace Breen the, uh, yes. the ultimate Breen. sellout of Earth I also I learned unrelated Eli states that he too is aware of G-Man he's the first character in the Half-Life universe to openly do so. He indicates to Gordon that the Zen crystal that began the events of Half-Life was delivered by the G-Man, and that Alex's survival in Black Mesa was also due to his interference. I think some of that um, is also in uh, Opposing Force. Well, there's Uh, the whole whole thing in Half-Life 2 where um, G-Man tells Alex to tell Eli something like unforeseen okay. circum- unforeseen circumstances or something like that. And it's, she says that to him. And then Eli says to, um, to you, like he talked to me before, like, so he has talked to G man before. Is that one? Interesting. Okay. Is Cause that that's when Alex he knew. Died? Yeah. Af- well, Alex, uh, Al- after Alex is revived, that's when she tells Eli that, G-Man whispered to me while I was unconscious, and somehow I know this, that prepare for unforeseen circumstances if you blow this thing up. And that's how Eli knew maybe it's not a good idea to blow this thing up. So, anyway. By the way, Alex dies. The but other now, we could talk about Maybe that. she doesn't die. Dick. No, but she doesn't die. She does? No, she doesn't. She dies, and then she comes back to life. The Vortigaunts re- revive her. You have to go yeah. get the antlion hearts to yeah. bring her back to life. But now she doesn't do it anymore. Well, she does die, and then she bring, and then she goes into stasis. But before that happens, she went into stasis. She went into stasis no, five years no, no, before no. that happened. Think about this. Yes, I'm think I'm trying to. <laughs> after after that, they say, "Where did Alex go?" 
the G-Man took her. So both of those realities exist. No. Yes. No. That's that's to go back Where to your continuity. To both. She Alex's went back existed. to five years ago. Timey wimey bullshit. No. So she played through this. After this, and at the same time as this, she plays Half Life Two as your companion, and then and then she goes into stasis. G Man lets her see the future, warps her to that moment, and pulls her. Yeah, there's it's the only explanation, or else Half Life Two couldn't have happened. That's what I'm saying. Half Life Two couldn't have no. happened. No, there's no, no. way. Okay, you, hold on. Hold you on. seem to think that there can't be two. There are two Alexes in that scene. Well. You see your, it's a vision. you see Alex on the ground. It's a vision. You see the they say you see the future. But yes. But you are there and mm-hmm. you see Alex. Mm-hmm. So there are two Alexes. So there's two explanations. Either there are two Alexes, because you're not really there, you're just seeing a vision. Or Alex knew this and went through this entire game the whole time through Half Life 2. Yeah, uh, there's no way. No way yeah. at all. Think how, about her how she screams when her dad gets taken? No, no way. Absolutely not. Either way, she <laughs> she's in half life. It it didn't it doesn't negate anything that happened. All this yeah, happened because she's not and... there. I disagree. You think they say it right at the end. They're like, "Where did Alex go?" G-Man took her. Like, Eli says it. Yeah. Like, how would he know Wait, that what? at the end at that the end happened? of Half-Life 2? Yeah, yeah that, that, oh, that was in Half-Life scene. 2. Okay, okay. No, no, that was in, Ale- in, well, in Alex. There's a, a no. post-credits scene in, in Alex. Yeah. Do you watch the post-credits, right? Please. I did. I was... Huh. Okay. Interesting. We're, we're, we haven't stopped. Will's just thinking... I'm yeah. also thinking. Like, there's no way uh, it, it just doesn't work. <laughs> it in in a um, linear timeline, it doesn't work. But think like a Vortigon will. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's all, all these times, all, all these the times time, happened right? at the same time, and then it all makes sense again. It's Valve design bullshit. It just happened because we said so. Yeah. And it's totally both a it. total slap in the face and also a high five at the same time. I mean, it was fun. Don't love, get me wrong. I love that statement. Yeah. No, I totally get you. It's it's like, it can work for, a, as long as you don't abuse it, it's fine, right? Like, we're like, ah, oh, these don't quite work together, but, you know, the G-Man, Vortigon stuff, we'll, we'll figure it out. Well, it's when you start getting to, like, um, I don't know if you've ever watched the Terminator stuff, but not a single one of the Terminator writers gives it any damn about their continuity at all, and so... Like, th- like, I saw somebody try to explain the timeline of the Terminator series, and it's just like, oh, you know, it's a fifteen branching timelines, and you're like, no, it's all, <laughs> it's almost as if not every story needs to have so many parts, and they could just have a self-contained story and end it, and then it would be fine. Yeah, that doesn't instead make of sense. having <laughs> instead of having eight Silent Hill games. Um, can we talk about the uh, the the puzzles? Puzzles. There are a couple of different kinds of puzzles. Um, yeah, that's a good call out. Yes. Um, VR puzzles, interesting. Some fun, all fun. Some not. Uh, Some not. 
they were all fun. Let's hear it. I have sort of developed a reflex for as soon as I stop having fun for a second, look up the solution to puzzles. And I did that with the first one that you were talking about earlier that kind of depicts the like sort of fuzzy vision of Half-Life's plot. And I kind of wish I hadn't done that because this game kind of... was just like, a, a thing on the wall that showed you which buttons to click and you just looked it up? Well, Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I ended up looking it up. Well, how was I supposed to interpret all those overlapping grid images? So the thing was, it was a spatial puzzle and I was stuck on that for a while too because I was getting close to it and I was trying yeah. to analyze it. And I didn't see that box when I walked by it first with all the buttons. Exploring the space more, as soon as you stand at that box... And look up. It's right there. It's yeah. like oh, right in funny. front of you. Yep. You I was like over there in that area there. looking. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, it's I like, like he knows puzzles. where you're going to be standing <laughs> because he could see funny. all the space and time. Or because that's where the buttons are. Yeah. Well, yeah, that could be applicable to any. Yeah. Um, the electrical ones were pretty fun. That was a fun tool. I loved going around and like fucking. Yeah, that's where I that hit my hand on cool. things the most in real life, though, for sure. The electrical so, tool uh, unlocked a lot of cool possibilities. And like, there was like a couple, like you set off an alarm and alert people by accident. Um, but the, the that spot with Jeff. Yeah. Evolution to that, to the, um, to the trip wires. I thought yeah. that was great. I really liked guiding the ball through the rings for the tripwire thing. I thought that was really cool. But I've got to say, as a continuous um, movement person, it made it so... I don't know. With, oh, if you guys play, both played Blink, there was there was no jump button for you. It was just Blink, right? Correct. Yep. So oh. continuous movement, you have a jump button because sometimes you actually do need to jump. Yeah. And it's pretty much the same thing as Blink, only further or... I guess. I don't know. Um, but it was down on the right joypad or Ooh, uh, analog interesting. stick. Interesting. So I use right and left on the on the right analog stick to turn my body right and left. And if I accidentally hit down, I jump. Yeah, this that's not good. to be very difficult for tripwire puzzles. I can't <laughs> tell you the amount of time I accidentally jumped into a tripwire, but it was not a, a low amount of times. That makes sense. The tripwire puzzles were... I think they did a great job having enough types of puzzles, and they like each of them iterated through time to get harder in a way that really made none of them feel stale, which I thought was really cool. I I really liked the item box one, um, that is like a globe where you're moving stuff yeah. or stuff. Um, the thing I... Uh, the puzzle itself, eh... And, like, it felt a little weird, uncomfortable, like, the positions they made you put yeah. your wrists in for that one. But the thing that I love about that puzzle is the way it, the way you're physically moving your hands in face, in space feels like every, like, hacker thing in a movie I've ever seen. <laughs> or, like, a VR hacker <laughs> jumping into fixed to break into the, the vault of something. Like, every time I did that, I was like, oh, yeah, I got it. <laughs> yeah i think i think it felt really like you're right it didn't feel good but when you got it it felt really good like yeah just a, using two hands to solve a puzzle in three-dimensional space was cool and i think all these puzzles the best i've seen in any vr game um I, wow i i did not appreciate the one for the upgrade box i, I oh, thought really? those were just kind of 
upgrade I got intimidated box. by the final two of those. It's, Are you talking about the ammo boxes or the upgrade machine? It's the, oh, the basically there's upgrade? a bunch of Where you had source to, like, lasers the and you had to spears through. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's what I thought you were talking about. No, no. Like where there's like a, a, a ball and you're pointing at a blue thing on a ball and avoiding the red things. That that's one the, I like. That's the weapon upgrade. Yeah. No. No, that's, that's the item the box. Item box. The so, weapon upgrade is that big thing on the floor that you put your weapon into upgrade that has the like. Yeah, but, but there's the like spheres with two it. points that come out that you have to like make go through the other spheres. There's like red lasers, and you have to attach the or you move the blue balls to make all of the. Oh yeah, ball, you're right. Or, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. You, I, you're I, correct. I yeah, that was there very was nothing easy hard and, about it. It's just like a. Why do you have to do it? Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. For so I just mix those two things up, and also. There wasn't a there wasn't a benefit to doing it other than now you can see whether or not you can buy stuff. Like, I don't know, that one just didn't feel Yeah, good. that is true, huh? Um, Any other puzzles we want to talk about? I want to talk th- about difficulty. Oh, do you got a puzzle one? Yeah, one more thing on the puzzles. Like, um Half-Life 2 was also famous for physics puzzles. It was another big thing that happened at that time. And I kept thinking there were going to be things like it. Um, like there was a spot where um, the hand crank, you had to hand crank and then jab the pipe in to stop the hand crank. Yeah. Um, there was another similar one that I thought it was going to be like that, where um, you, do, you do an electric thing and it opens this door and then there's a big box there, so I went over and I pushed the big box to prop open the door, and then it's like this huge wooden box, and then I undid it, and the gate came down and shot the box across, this huge box across <laughs> the room like it was a fucking, uh, fucking bouncy thing. I was like, what the hell? Um, yeah, so I, I, um, it was interesting that they, like, tried to start, or started using their roots there but then like they didn't build out the rest of the the world the rest of the game didn't like continue on with that and like i kind of get why they didn't do it uh kind of like you said where the physical combat wasn't did didn't work that same way um in this game and um yeah just a little disappointed about it there was a few vr there was a few like uh physical puzzles or physics puzzles um like grenade base where you had to throw a grenade through a vent or there was one in the Jeff yeah. area where you had to partially turn the crank and then get the the power cell from underneath the the gate that went up and whatnot. Like it was mostly like throwing or pulling puzzles, but I feel like that was their focus. There was also one. I There's... don't even know if this was a puzzle. It was just something I thought of. I threw a grenade down through an elevator shaft and it blew up a bunch of barrels down below. And yeah. unlocked a, a yep. resin container. Yep, that that was um, like that I was didn't a good have one. to do that, but it was like but it there, worked. There was like another. I solved that a different way. There was a there was a place um, like early on when you first get to the zombies, where um, like you're follow you're just starting to follow the train line, um, and you have to get into this house to open the the giant gate, and um, you have to stand on a box to be able to jump into a window. Maybe it was different when you just had a jump button. Um, but like figuring out, oh, I need to pull this box over to get close enough to the window to jump through this window. Um, it was like, 
oh, so I do need to like manipulate boxes so that I can get higher and move things around in the, in the environment and then like never have to do that ever again. There was one point where you had to move boxes down an elevator shaft to jump on them or else you would die though. I don't remember that. I don't remember that either. Really? Did I push those boxes for no reason? <laughs> you might have, but I like held the jump button and it had the, cause sometimes the jump button had like a death head and it turned red. And like Russell literally said, you can't make that jump. Are you serious? And I was like, oh no. Well, I got to go that way. So, oh, there's some boxes there and there was trip wires. So I had to undo the trip wires and the boxes like were really hard to push. Like they had a lot of weight and you had to kind of like throw your full body and like. Yeah. I think you just sequence broke, which is something I really appreciate. And I was trying to figure out how to do early in the game because I was particularly coming from Portal where sequence breaking is the fun thing about Portal. Like the sequence breaking is the the main the game that they put into the game, um, so you know I'm looking at like oh can I stand here? Um, and actually that's one of the the things that, uh, the mechanics that I appreciated that they they addressed because I don't know if you, either of you guys played um, uh shit something three uh Half Life three I haven't played uh, it yet three uh, Gears of War three. It's, um, it's Uncharted 3. 3. Oh, that's a good one. It's the 50s post-nuclear, Poly. and you go into a bunker. Fallout 3. Bioshock Fallout 3. 3. Thank oh. you. Um, so Fallout 3 VR, if you like teleport yourself oh up to a God. wall... Fallout 3 VR? Walk in physical space. You just walk through the wall, and then you can keep walking. So there's all kinds of shit that's broken in that game, because, like, um, for example, the... The item boxes, right? There's an item in the item box, but you can just stick your hand into an item box and grab the item. Like, are you talking about Skyrim VR? Um, I think they used the similar, if not oh. the same, game engine. They like put it out. That seems like a nightmare. Before. Yeah, it's not a great way to play that game. And a lot of the stuff, like, like I said, you walk uh, like a gate, right? You would walk up to the gate. You just situate the room in such a way that you just physically walk through space through the gate and now you can teleport past it, right? Yeah, that um, makes sense. I feel like this game did a great job of stopping anything like that yeah, from happening that's with ex- yellow. That's just exactly made yellow what happen instead. Oh, like, no, you're I not forgot supposed to talk to be about here. sometimes I was too tall for this game and my view would turn yellow because my head was in pipes or something that they didn't expect the average player to be that tall for. No, you had to crouch. No, but, but there were times where you weren't supposed to have to crouch where I would still get yellow. Just there like a couple. is an entire section of the game towards the beginning in the sewers. Remember the sewer-ish area? Yeah. Originally, that was all crouching all the time, and the oh, playtesters said no. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they made the ceiling higher, they said. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Um, that was another benefit of s- s- seated mode, is you have the crouch or stand yeah. button. That was uh, great. I kept I getting got tired of crouching pretty quick. I kept getting prompted to do that for certain things, even though it, that button oh, didn't do anything on my controller. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I, I got to say, like, their version of crouching is way different than my version of crouching. Like, I kept crouching. They're like, this is good enough, right? And they're like, nope, you got to crouch get a little down, bit more. Bitch. Yeah. I was like, get down, yo, get down. Chill, chill the fuck out here. I'm not as young as I used to be. What do you think about the uh, difficulty? But, yeah, maybe yeah, you want to talk about difficulty. So I think kind of due to the fact that we were on a deadline about halfway through and kind of around the same time, I was like, this is kind of beginning to feel like work. I notched down the difficulty and immediately was having so much more fun. I went from normal to easy 
that I ratcheted all the way down to story mode just to see what it felt like. And I had just a great time. I felt maybe it coincided also with being better at the mechanics in general, but it was just so fun to like ratchet two clips into the pistol and like it would still take about four shots to kill a combine, which I felt was actually like kind of a realistic amount actually. And it just felt really good. So I was curious, I think I had heard you guys say you knocked down the difficulty as well. How did you feel about that? Why don't you go first, Polly? Well, because I was trying to look up what does the difficulty in Half-Life do, but I didn't oh, quite good have question. time to type it out. Let's see, entirely. I'll do okay. this. In that but case... yes, I did also um, bump down the difficulty. I started on easy, which is where I start most games in. Fuck hard. I agree. And I don't don't really like normal too much anymore. Um I want to be slightly hero heroic. Um but I exactly when it happened I it's tough to pinpoint like I know in my head but uh, if I say like there was this room where it was like really dark and there was zombies on both sides of this like box. Oh, I know and exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> that's exactly where I turned it down to. <laughs> it's like I was really frustrated because, like, I'm still kind of learning how to reload my gun properly. Yep. I feel like I have n- enough fucking ammo to take out all these enemies, so I guess they want me to go buy them, and I don't really want to, like, go buy them because I'm not quite comfortable enough navigating the world yet either, and I'm like, yep. I, I, I died a few times, and I was like, this is really taking me out of it immersively, yep. and that's when, that's when I was like, let me bump it down from easy to story mode, and honestly... I don't know what it changed other than give me more ammo. That's the That's and if it about didn't right. give me more ammo, then I'm surprised because that was the only thing I really noticed. It seemed like they came at me with the same shit. It seemed like it took the same amount of shots to get them. Maybe I'm compl- maybe that's just good good difficulty balancing, I guess. Did the, or bad difficulty balancing. Did the, but I was able to get through the area. Did the aim assist or hitboxes change? There was aim assist. Definitely. According, according to Reddit, the main thing that changes the number of bullets enemies take. But, and I did feel something different. But like you're saying, it still felt like a good like. I didn't feel like I was playing on trivial difficulty. I still needed to land like four headshots to really down yeah. some enemies. And as far as like ammo, the only thing they said in the developer commentary was they changed up the style because before in Half Life players learn that you could always get refills from the boxes. Break the boxes, you get refills of your ammo. And they wanted to change it up, so now it actually pays attention to what you have, and it takes away ammo that you don't need that's already been placed in the world. But oh. I couldn't tell if it's if it's bet, changed at all between difficulties. I bet Story doesn't do that, because, yeah, I started amassing... Like, I had a thousand bullets for the rifle by the end of the game. I played it on normal the entire way through. Wow. Well, we know who's a real gamer. Um, the one thing I will say, though, um, around chapter 10, chapter 9 or chapter 10, I got to a, um, a couple of um, longer sequences, longer combat sequences where I kept dying over and over again and then remembered you can quick save. Um, so I did do that. So, you know, I wasn't perfect. Yeah, that but, was helpful. Um, it's mostly just that I would be totally willing to play through it at any difficulty if I don't feel like I'm pulled out of it by how many times I'm dying. And 
it got to the yeah. point where like when I died in the same area three times, I didn't feel like I was messing up. It felt like I just wasn't good enough. Right. And I don't care about not being good enough. I just want to play the game. So that's all I'm just bumping down that. Like I have no like ego hit in me anymore. I don't care about that. It's just like I'm not a fucking superhero. I don't really know how to reload a gun. I'm learning here, guys. Uh, I would die in a zombie apocalypse. Can I play the end of the game though? Um, I've been I've been playing Titanfall two, which I've you know heard is a great shooter. Sure is. And I've even though that game feels great, I've noticed how frustrated and I guess the only way to say it is like immersion broken. I feel when I die. And, like, the only way that I can make those experiences, like, feel good to me as games is by turning the difficulty low enough that I'm not dying. Because I find dying just, like, like narratively as well as, like, emotionally. That like, okay, what I'm doing no longer makes any sense. Yeah. It doesn't always bother me in games. If it feels like, oh, like, this is teaching me something, like, I yeah. have to start playing differently. But, like, I felt like I was doing everything I was supposed to do. It's just, like, I don't have enough bullets. Like, I've ran out of bullets every time in that situation. And it's like, I tried getting away from him and I couldn't. I'm not going to go into blink mode because it feels like I'm cheating. Like, just jumping away from people. I want to have to actually navigate the world. So, like, that's why I, I bumped it down. That um, did help a lot, too, yeah. Blink the mode still, like, you can run into things and have to... But it's still kind of uh, like it, when, it was I, when I started way. the game, I used blink mode. And what I found is I just put the controller behind me and blink backwards and I'm safe. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So I couldn't trust myself to not do that. And I, it I just felt bit, more like, immersive to strafed. me to, to, to move continuously. But on the difficulty level, I did find out you talked about left-handed mode, Nate, yeah. which is great. But I also found out that there's a one-handed mode in this game. I am curious about that. So apparently they made reloading where you just put the gun over your shoulder and hit a button and then reloaded and huh. things like that. So I'm not sure how they fixed everything else. Like the flashlight must have been kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is it is cool that they have these different supported modes for accessibility and for different setups and all those things. So. That was It'd be pretty fun cool. to go it's back and play one-handed on normal. Kind of related to VR. What would be really fun is have your friend hold the other controller. <laughs> Try to reload. Would that be fun? Co- co-op, co-op reload. <laughs> yeah, that's like the uh, that's like the new co-op game. It's like when we went to PAX and like we were trying to think of the worst VR games and somebody came up with the uh, chameleon simulator where each of your eyes looks in a different direction. Oh my god. Uh, Incredible. So I believe it's time oh, for sorry, final... I, I do have one Wait. more. Ooh. One more. Will's got a topic. I never got caught by the barnacle. Did anybody get caught by the barnacle? Fuck yeah. The barnacle. Do they lift you up? The barnacle is the... Only with an option in the menu that's not enabled by default. What? Yeah. Oh, you just they lifted out. me up. That's an option. I don't know. Maybe I went into the options and turned it on. Or you maybe had. Can it be controlled because I have continuous mode? Because I don't have the... I wonder if that's part baby, of it, yeah. Baby mode turned on? Well, let's... <laughs> I don't have any ego anymore. 
two minutes later. <laughs> Baby mode. Um, um, but no, they absolutely got me multiple times, Will. And yeah, I'll tell man, you why. Did you get all the way to the top? Because that man seems hacks. scary as fuck. Man hacks are why. Man hacks, uh, the buzz saws that fly at you. I'm really bad at shooting them. I'm really good at running away from them unless there's a barnacle behind me. And those are the cases <laughs> where I got barnacled. And it's, That makes sense. What they did is... Um, did you get all the way to the top? Yeah, they suck you up. You go to the top and they bite your head, but they make it less motion sicky because yeah. what they do is the tongue gets wrapped around your face so you can it cuts off part of your vision, but you can definitely tell that you're being sucked up and they... You, the asphyxiation, like the, you're choking, and the screen gets like kind of red, so like you can't exactly see yourself being eaten, but you can definitely hear and feel and make out that you're being eaten. So yeah, that seems yeah, horrible. You should <laughs> check it out. I, I recommend it. Great way to Boy, die. But Larry made it made it seem easy. Just hold on to a ladder forever. But what you could do, or what you're supposed to do, is because it does suck you up, and you have the opportunity to look up and shoot it while it's sucking you up. Yeah. It's not an instant death. As long as you have bullets, you can survive. By the way, trying to reload while you're being sucked up by a barnacle is I wouldn't recommend it. P cap life, Alex. Yeah. Uh, you, I think you know, I... you just ran out of ammo trying to shoot this man hack that you you miss in every single round. You're running away from it. You get sucked up by a barnacle, and you're trying to reload before you get your head bit off. That that sums up Half Life. Yep, Alex. Yeah, it's a good game. It's so a good we, game. Do we have any final thoughts? I guess I, 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 guess, I suppose I can go first. Excellent. VR. What you know, is it? Fucking VR. <laughs> How does it work? Where did it come from? Boy, do I like VR except when I have to, like, play it. (laughs) I was so... I I both was so excited about VR and still am so excited about VR. But at the same time, gaming has changed, you know? Like, at the same time as I got my vibe, it also turned into Discord as a thing. And... Talking with friends while you're gaming is a thing and streaming is a thing and all these things kind of get in the way of like what I used to love about gaming. Having an isolated experience is something I do less and less. I play less and less story uh, single player games and I play more more and more multiplayer experiences or just fuck around shooting dudes in Call of Duty while I'm talking to friends on Discord and things like that. And the... The easy act of reaching over to my left and putting on a VR headset has somehow become this, like, difficulty, which 12-year-old Paul would slap the shit out of me for, (laughs) you know? Like, fucking first world problems, like, oh, VR is so cool, but it's got a wire. Or, you know, it doesn't have a wire, but every now and then I, like, I'm too tall for it or whatever it is. I'm not meaning to pick on you, Nate. It's just like, I feel (laughs) whiny about the fact like, this is such an amazing fucking experience. Absolutely recommend it to everybody. But at the same time, realize that if you spend all this money on VR, you're not going to want to do it all the time. Yeah. Uh, It's not quite 
it's not the real world. Like it can convince you sometimes of its reality, but you're no, you're never going to have the feeling of holding a shotgun with two hands and having them connected. They're separated. You know, that feeling isn't there. You can't actually walk. You have to get your body used to using a controller to walk just like you got used to in video games. So there's a learning experience, but this is by far the most put together and the most realized world that I've been to in VR. It was just sitting in some of these rooms and looking at the walls, like (laughs) the detail of the bricks, the graffiti, the intricate detail of what somebody wrote out or this fucking some third world country language. I don't know if it's Russian or not real at all, but this poster that looks kind of cool. Every single room in this game is intricately designed and is beautiful. And if you take the time to explore it, it's great. It's more detail than I would, I, I would probably say any other game I've ever experienced. Amazing. But at the same time, it's not like something that I'm like as excited about as I should be somehow. And that makes me sad. It's like, I almost want to review myself and give me a bad score. (laughs) If that makes any sense. Like I have such conflicted opinions about it. I always have a good time, but at the same time, sometimes I feel a little sick, you know, I don't know. It's tough to say. Um, you need the right experience for sure. There's amazing possibilities in VR and Half-Life proves that if you put development time into it, if you put money, it can be this immersive, amazing experience and it can definitely improve from this. I'm not saying this is the perfect VR game. There are definitely things that could be improved over the music. I'm not even just harping on the music or anything like that, but it's, it's just tough for me. This is probably the most difficult score that I would have to give a game. And I almost feel like because it's in VR, it like affects that. I almost feel like I'm scoring VR because if Half-Life Alex can't do it, who the fuck is going to put the money into it, you know? Yeah. Um, but I'm going to, anyway, I'm going to say Half-Life Alex is a 9.5 out of 10. Because I sco- I think I've scored everything on this podcast. I think I'm the only one who's scored everything on this podcast. It's an amazing game. I really think that if you bought it four or three years ago or however long it is, just sit down and remember 12-year-old you would fucking love this and you're going to have a good time. Is it a kind of mess of a story where they just do whatever they want to achieve their goals? Yes. Is it still fun? Yes. Is learning how to reload a fake pistol worth it absolutely because by the end of this you feel like an action hero who takes down a strider with this fucking turret that is just it just feels great you feel like an action star and it's more immersive than any game i've ever played it's still not perfect though so i'm looking forward to half-life 3 beautiful will who's going next me or you um i could jump in and I don't have a whole lot to say because I think Polly really nailed um, yeah. all all the pieces that I that you know have been running through my head. Um, the one kind of interesting thing I didn't uh, that he reminded me of is like coming back to the real world after being in VR for a couple hours. All of a sudden, like um, my hands feel weird. Yeah, especially when they're at the periphery of your vision, I would get like a little nauseous for a second. 
Yeah, yeah I went. I, I just want to say, after a long session, I went to the the uh, pizza place down the road from me, and I was looking <laughs> at the level design of the actual <laughs> World Pizza Place, uh-huh. and I was thinking, like, oh yeah, it's really cool how they placed that like garbage can there all sideways. Like that's so realistic. Got it. Like, I was even a, realizing that I'm judging the real world. Sorry. I was at an architecture talk with the dean of UW's College of Built Environments last night, and I was like, "Do you know of any digital architecture programs?" And she was like, "No." And I was like, "Huh. Well, for what it's worth, I think some digital spaces are a lot more interesting than physical ones." <laughs> and she goes, "Yeah, I've heard that." <laughs> yeah, I think you really like nail so many of the points about. Um, it has been really hard to get into VR. Um, and, you know, I'm like, yeah, my 12-year-old says would be super disappointed to hear that. Um, my 40-year-old self is super disappointed to hear that. Um, there's, you know, there's stuff about life. Um, we, I've um, got daughters in the house and a contractor came over as I was trying to finish this game up. And it's like, you know... I'm standing in this room completely in a different world, but also slightly embarrassed that I'm standing there, you know, I, I don't know. Um, world, uh, as much as I would like to just completely get away from this world sometimes, uh, it, you know, it, it, uh, invades still, um, far more than I, than with other games, unfortunately. Um, I think that I, um, am a sucker for the nostalgia um probably more than than you are um like you like i said i've played as far as i know i've played everything half-life um except for black mesa uh except for black mesa and there are a couple of like not my valve doesn't count there are a couple of like aperture science um intro to vr things that i have played some of like so, I guess there are a couple like little things here and there that that you know not completely. I've collector. played the Steam Deck Aperture Science game. Um, yeah, I think I I um have always been a huge fan of the pacing of Half Life games, the way they take you from um you know super intense firefight down to puzzle down to exploration and then drop you back into a firefight and um you know like you were talking about they they'll put you in a scary situation and then throw some levity on top of it to to try and um you know uh both um keep you from getting like completely burnt out but also from but to keep um those emotions from getting monotonous as well. Like if we spent the entire game in it with the, uh, in the dark with a flashlight, um, it would stop getting scary after a while. And so they drop you and drop you out. So like there's stuff about the pacing of half-life games on all kinds of levels that I, um, completely appreciate. Um, there's a, a little bit of, of me, uh, that was getting, um, like, uh, you know, I kind of hinted at it before where, like, the physics puzzles didn't work as well as I wanted to. Um, I could take out a, um, uh, what do you call the leggies? I, uh, they're just leggies now. I can't remember. Antlions. Antlions, thanks. Um, I could take out an antlion with three shots from a pistol. I'm like that. Uh, like, on one hand, I'm like, okay, the, the pace of a Half-Life game 
just isn't going to work in VR where you've got to do all the things and and the 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 excitement comes in the like mechanical doing of things and and so it's not the just um kill dodge run dodge kill um uh like the the whole pace has to slow down and you know it's, it's not necessarily slow down but just be different um and so there's a little and so I I understand that they had to make the the changes for you know the format and that makes sense but it also is a little bit of a bummer that oh man these these antlions one of the scariest things that you ever f- freaking come across is just a three pistol kill right um yeah so there's um in all fairness, I have never, even on story mode, I have never killed an antlion in three shots. Yeah, Will's just a better, yeah. just a better shot than us. It's like what left, left shot, left leg. Oh, right I know leg, where to shoot. shoot. Like, I know the theory. It's just <laughs> shooting it while it's running at you, and the suppressor combine yeah. is also shooting at you, and yeah, they had to balance it for us, for us bads. Yeah, I no, I, I mean, I, I get it. Um, there was a little more. I saw a little bit of it starting in this game, but I wasn't able to take advantage of it like I did in other Half-Life games where you could um, pit enemies against each other. Um, yeah. Like, set the combine against the the, the antlions, etc. Um, yeah. Like, um, I... I wanted to love this game. So the fact that I love this game, um, it feels right. Um, but you know, it, like, I, I can see the cracks along the edges and it's not perfect. Um, I would have, um, I only have, I think I only grade on whole scores. So I think this game is a nine for me, but, um, it's like as close to perfect as I can, um, reasonably get without being perfect i think it's great you guys went first because i agree with pretty much everything that was said before except i actually pretty profoundly disagree with polly's they love the music you like the music (laughs) that guy was great um i i have found myself especially post-covid really gravitating towards single player experiences more and more finding that that's what i really crave in games and i've found myself in the last six months in particular getting a lot better at like actually sitting down and completing them so for me this game was great in that way and i and i kind of thrived on it being separate from the computer um i think i mean that being said though it was a really good match for like this book club format like actually being forced to sit down and play it all through consecutively in one sequence was really good. And I think that like contributed a lot to me really appreciating it. That said, I do want to point out, I think the pacing was really good in this game to give you good breaks to stop playing. Yeah. In case you didn't want to spend this much time in VR at once. Totally. Um, But but I also, I don't know if I would have done it so quickly if I didn't, wasn't forced for the podcast. So sorry. Yeah. I, I think that's true. Um, I think I had a good few years there where it was really hard for me to sit down and really just spend lots of times with games. So I, for some reason that's happening in my life more now. And I appreciate that, which is as I get more friends who are becoming parents, I'm aware how special that is. Um, I think I've 
you know, especially through this podcast history, I've been very much like I'd begun to think that the thing that I love most about games was what makes games most close to books. Um, and it was really fun to just be mechanically interacting with this thing in VR and have it really challenge some of the recent preconceptions I'd come to that, like, maybe I just don't like shooters. Like, maybe I'm not like an action game fan. This was fun to play. It was fun to shoot. I was like, I guess I can't say I don't like shooters because this is definitely a shooter. And I don't know if that was because this was in VR or just because the level design was really good. I think a lot of times I can get lost in 3D spaces. I just feel like an idiot wandering around. I didn't get lost once in this game. I think it was like really well designed in that way. But I think relevant to all of your guys is like um, comments about VR. They're like, there's something about the expectations of what VR was going to bring gaming that I think I let go of recently. Like this is, I, I was hoping that VR would make games less like games and more like reality, but instead VR has just made games even more gamey. Like this game feels more video gamey than even the Half-Life series does in my memory. And that's been really like, <laughs> like I had a great time with it, but I, I'm glad I was able to let go of that expectation. That it should be reality. Like those puzzles have nothing to do with anything that would happen like in the real world if these things were locked and that was totally fine for this game and it didn't take away from it i yeah go I, ahead. I do want to point out one thing from what you just said the the one thing that i do really enjoy about vr and i i would hope for more of especially because we all have it is i talked about how this whole connected and we are connected and like like we're talking on discord like i would much rather prefer to talk in a VR chat environment with you guys or something like that because I live so far away from you or watch movies together in VR, like something I really enjoy doing on my own. That's what I use VR for more than anything is like sitting in a fake theater and watching VR movies with strangers because it's this uh, experience with others that I think is something special in VR that you can't get in games. But I do agree with what you said for games they they are very gamey and things like that. The, yeah. the real world situations of it is when we're not playing games, when we're just consuming media through VR and hanging out and chatting together. I also like that too. I think that stuff's really great. I think the last thing I was going to say is that like you're right about the story. Like it, I love how simple the story is, and I think it was simple enough that I didn't mind their kind of finagling with it or the G man showing up at the end and kind of being the Valve employee. So. Um, I, this was like a, a great experience for me to like, really like, it made me like nostalgic for stuff I haven't experienced of the Half-Life series. And I'm pretty keen to jump into the, the two dimensional Half-Life games after this. Uh, and I'm curious how much that holds after I actually hop into them and play them. But, uh, yeah, I think I would give it a nine as well. It's great. I think it's a good game for exactly where VR is at the moment just curious nate when's the last time you reviewed a game with a score a long time <laughs> so, uh, but, but nine but feels right glad i could get that back going all right so unless there's anything else that'll bring us to the end where you know it's been a while since i've been on this podcast i'm pretty sure that we don't ask it to be better as a racing game anymore we don't but, um, is there is there any is there any uh habitual habits there redundant. is none. You know, you could end this however you want. I do want to say the saddest part is this is the end of Half Life until the next one. 
like 10 years at least probably <laughs> you want to yeah. reconvene when you're 50 where where you're gonna play as the helicopter from the end of half-life <laughs> episode two episode two. Oh man replay yeah. the seven hour war oh you you play <laughs> as as the advisor all right well it's been a lovely time talking with you folks and i hope you listeners enjoyed it and we'll see you on the next emotive pixels podcast thanks everybody Bye-bye.